yeah. you know, we got to get them here. Yeah, CW is like a black guy stuck in a hillbilly body. <laughs> so back to the Jewish thing. Iron Sheik's wrestling this mighty Maccabee. And they have Ken, is it Ken Resnick? The old AWA. Oh, my God. Yeah, this yeah. guy spent all this money. And Kalua is doing doink. And Kalua, they, they wanted Kalua to be doing, and they wanted just like a job guy for him. So here, I got a job. You know, Kalua brings me, and Kalua is the biggest river in the world. Like, if you meet Kalua, he's real quiet and stuff like that until you get to know him. And then, you know, then you just realize what kind of river he is. He goes, Steve, you're going to love the show. It's, you know, 400 Jewish people and stuff like that. He goes, but the main event is the Mighty Maccabee versus the Iron Sheik. And you know the Sheik, you know. You get him in front of a microphone. And Mighty Maccabee goes, Sheiky, you know, please, please get some heat, you know. <laughs> so Ken Resnick goes, we're back here. And it's in the it's in the back of the locker room. We're back here at the, uh, I wish I knew what the thing was called. Because me, Devin Storm, Ace Darling. Devin Storm and Ace Darling were like the wrestling match. They were the first ones. Right. Uh, and they'll tell you the same story. And we're all sitting there. It's Kalua, me, Kalua as Doink. Joint number 32. Uh, me, uh, Devin, and Ace. You know, we're the young guys plus Kalua. And they go, Sheik, you know, tonight you got the mighty Maccabee. Out of town! Oh, you no good Jews out there with your cheap, your cheapness, and you're running the Hollywood, and you're still from the good Muslim people. I'd tell all of you, you should have died all in World War II. And everybody's kind of no-selling, except for Devin Storm, Ace Darling, Steve Kramer, King Kahlo, as were. I'd tell if a great leader, Adolf Hitler, was alive right now, he'd have given me the Iggy to take a jabron and Maccabee down and kill you with the Kamakulak. Ah, you'll see that? God the hell, Jew. And they go, and Ken Resnick's all red face. He goes, and we'll go back to the ring. And it goes dark, and everybody goes, and she goes, and Maccabee, do you like a promo? And, and, and Maccabee goes, um, it was, it was good. And they're playing these promos before the guys come out to the ring. So we're sitting there, and I go, oh my god. And Kalu is in hysterics. Because no one else is really watching the promo. Kalu is in hysterics going, wow, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Me, Ace, and, and Devin with a, like, a combined age of like 22 are going, oh my god, we've just seen racism at its, at its most extreme. Yeah, so they do this thing, and like there's like the little Titantron, and there's 400 Jewish people in this little building. <laughs> I'll tell you all Jewish people, you're running to Hollywood, you steal from the Muslim people, right? And the guy comes out, and she comes out, and there's total silence, because these Jewish people can't even believe that he said it. You just see one clown laughing in the back of his car. <laughs> Hey, Baba, did I get a good heat for you? The people, they were stunned silent. Oh. So, oh, my God, this is the God. wacky world of pro wrestling. That's fantastic. Oh, my favorite. You run the Hollywood. Where the hell did you get that, Sheik? Hey, good heat, Baba. <laughs>
This is Cowboy Bob Orton, and you're listening to the Turnbuckle Throwbacks. The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Remember, what this network wants, this network gets. I promise you that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. Broadcasting live from Shaolin, Staten Island. Freak Show Central. Where's that? New York City. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. It's the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast on Rant EM Radio. Proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Episode 483, respect to the Bubba. You lowered it. At least it's working. This computer wasn't working like a half hour ago. All right. Episode 483, the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast, part of the uh, Rant EM Radio family. It's also part of the Shining Wizards Network. I, as always, your gracious, gracious, gracious host. The Yoda of Yesteryear, the Messiah of Memories, the intellectual retrosexual. That was the new one, right? The impact player, Mr. Philly Raya. I promised you, I promised you, I promised you. We're going to get side railed, though, but I promised you a guest host, guest co-host, and I got one. And he came all the way from Queens to visit his boy, and we're going to have a good time today. Say hello to everybody. This is Mickey Dunn. Mickey Dunn. Phil, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to doing this. I I thought you were full Greek. You're only half Greek? Half Greek, What's the other half? Irish. You're half Irish? Yes. Who was Irish? Your mom or your dad? My mom was Irish. My dad was Greek. Was like Orthodox Greek? Did you guys do all the holidays and shit? <laughs> Long story, but we got baptized both Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox. See, Mickey's a Queens guy, so this is one near and dear to my heart. Plus, I've, I've, I've known him and his brother for a bunch of years now. So, And you guys all remember the Mario story from Chicago. So this is, <laughs> this is Mario's uh, a little no more normal brother. <laughs> Shout out to Mario, by the way. Doing this thing, um, so yeah, Mick, you were on the podcast a few times. Um, you were, we, we, we went to the convention. You were with us, I think. Yeah, that's right. I did five meetings with you guys. Right, you're a Queens guy. You grew up in Queens. I just f- come to find out you grew up in Queens. I didn't know you grew up in Queens. I know you lived in Queens. But I didn't know you grew up in Queens, which is again near and dear to me. It's like it's like being home again. Because when 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 Mickey mentions Queens, I'm like, <sighs> I mean, I'm, we're only like twenty miles away, but it feels like being on Staten Island, it feels like it's like a deal, right? It feels like it's forever. Separated uh, by the water. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But your commute was good, though? You had a good commute? Yeah, no, it was fine. It was yeah. good. Now I know how to do it. So it's, 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 you know, it, at night it's worse. 
because that bus that you take that that you took to get here, um, and you got you got off two stops before you usually we get off to my to my apartment. But that that at night that runs, um, it runs doesn't run like express. It run it has a little more stops to it, and it makes a lot of stops because it's it's fucking loaded when people okay. come home from work. Like it wasn't that crowded when you were on it, right? Not at all. Right, exactly. So you probably got like the overnight people coming home from their ships or people just commuting back and forth. I mean, it's not that difficult to tra- to travel from Staten Island, but it's it, it if you don't tr- if you don't have a car, it is because it's getting around. Um, there's ways around it, but you made the trip. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be. You've here. been in my ear for a bunch of months now to do this specific uh, throwback, but we do have to pay some tribute to the Sheik. I was gonna do a whole like episode. But Sheik's body of work is not very big in terms of um, uh, territories. Because he did, we'll get into his, his career, but um, he wasn't prolific after his initial run. I mean, the last time he was important was like 89 when he fought NWA, like when yeah. he fought Sting, like, you know, on Class of Champions or whatever. And he wasn't on that much. He was used very sparingly with those shows, too. Yeah, I remember him with Tommy Rich, but I don't remember much actually. Right, because we didn't. And I, I've said, I've said this on the show like for the last eleven years that, um, where we grew up, I don't know about your neighborhood, but my neighborhood didn't get cable until like eighty nine, no, ninety. We didn't have it either. You didn't have cable, right? And uh, certain blocks had it. Like you'd go to your friend's house and watch shit. You know, uh, where's my screen? Did I lose my screen? How come I lost? My- oh, all right, we're still recording. Okay. That's weird. All right, so here's the deal. I'm recording the the show on a Windows computer. I got the old show computer to work, and I plugged it into the mother into the into the soundboard, uh, the mixer, so I can use the so I can use all the sounds, uh, because we have you know shiki sounds. It's, <laughs> I mean, there's there's the, the famous one. Fuck his ass, make him humble. Right. You got the uh, which one would I just play before? Um, there's a bunch of them here, though. Let me see here. I play like three or four of them for you just now, right? Um, where is it? Mean Gene? No, that's not the Mean Gene one. I have the Mean Gene one, though. Um, no, 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 no. Give me one second. I can find it. I'm just... I should have them fucking numbered. I don't have no... The soundboard is like... it's. Plus, I should be wearing my glasses, and I'm not wearing my glasses today because I'm too lazy to get up and get them. So, but... uh. Not well, the not. first time I ever met Sheiky, Mario used to work at Comic Cons, and he was there with Nikolai. So, ah, I went yeah, tell the story. And he, a fan in front of us, had dipping dots and was eating them, and Sheik was looking very curiously at them and asking what it is. <laughs> so the guy's like, "You want to try it?" And he hands it to Sheik, and Sheik is looking at it for an inordinate amount of time. Right. Finally, Nikolai's like getting frustrated. He's like, Sheik, just eat it, Sheik. Just eat it. Uh. Very carefully takes it, and he likes it. He's like, good. The guy's like, all right, you can keep it. Like, Thank you very much. You know? <laughs> I respect you, Jim. Many you're intelligent Jew businessman. Fucking bullshit! Which he didn't tell you. Like, he, he liked the different dots. <laughs> but then I heard the... Um, argument he got into with Lou Ferrigno, where he yeah. Incredible Hulk, where he you just you, you were just telling me about that. Yeah, I, he apparently didn't know Lou Ferrigno was deaf and thought Lou Ferrigno was snubbing him, <laughs> so he starts yelling, "Lou Ferrigno, you fucking hear me!" <laughs> and they're trying to calm him down. He's deaf. He's deaf. He's like, he fucking hears. Me. There was a there's a Stern clip. I mean, he was on a Stern show a bunch of times, but there was one clip where Audie Lang dresses up as like the Iron Sheik, the real Iron Sheik. He's like, "I'll fuck your ass." 
I'll make you humble. I'll take my 10-inch cock. <laughs> and so now Stern's like, what? That not that homo? I'll fuck you like the Michael Jackson. <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? Did I fuck you? No, 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 Mr. Howard. I do not fuck people in the ass. I, that's old country. I use bottle. I'm like, what oh. the fuck is he talking about? I didn't hear that one. Man. Yeah, he like he breaks. Uh, we'll play some cheeky promos. There's, there's a lot of them, but um, it, he was the first. If it was, he was the first heel to transition into sports entertainment. Neck after. I'm sorry, after superstar Billy Graham. Because if it wasn't for the Sheik, Sheik was the conduit between Backlund and Hogan. Oh, yeah. Right? He's probably the most famous transitional champion of all time. If if there's if I mean unless you have unless you can think of somebody else who's No, by far. I right? Think. It's so weird that no one thinks of him like that. And for us being older fans, and this being a throwback podcast, obviously, um, you could see that uh his contribution to this to everything started with him and Hogan next year be forty years. Wow, forty years already, man! Right, amazing. And he got you know he was on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. So for the kids, we got to see him. He was one of the biggest characters on that, and he's uh, transcended wrestling. People that don't even know wrestling know the Iron Sheik. Right, correct. Uh, Sheiky baby. I have I have a twenty four seven uh rock and wrestling channel on my on my on my um on my account on my uh what do you call it account? The um the uh the internet T V the IP T V account. It's just twenty four seven of the, of that co- of that cartoon. I watched them all during the pandemic and I didn't watch them since I was a kid, so it was yeah. really cool to catch. You know who the voice of Hogan was, right? The everybody loves Raymond. Yeah, the guy, big right? guy, yeah. The guy who does the fucking the sandwich yes, commercials yeah. now. <laughs> Brad something, right? Brad, um, something you know, I, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, I know who it is. Yeah. I, I never watch Everybody Loves Raymond, but I know who you're talking about. Raymond Mono from Queens. Yes, by the way, uh, it's very Queens heavy. I don't give a shit. We're Queens bias. We love the five boroughs, but we're Queens bias. We're Queens boys, so we're Queens bias. Yes. <laughs> so I, I told you my story earlier before we got in there of getting Sheik to autograph my Colonel Mustafa figure. And this is the I, I Mickey told me the story. And I couldn't laugh as hard as I wanted to because we, we, I'm fat and I'm out of breath. And we're walking to my apartment. It's like a 10 to 15 minute walk to my apartment from where I met Mickey at the train station. So, yeah, please tell, tell, tell the audience. <laughs> so he was somewhat distracted. There were a lot of people there and possibly altered. But he was confused. And he signed my figure first, the Iron Sheik. And his guy's like, no, no, this is Colonel Mustafa signing so he's kind of like flustered, and he then signs it to Colonel Mustafa from the Iron Sheik. So I have, I think, a one-of-a-kind autograph there. That's hysterical. He signed it to himself. Yes, he did. <laughs> he signed <laughs> to it to himself. himself. from himself. So. He signed it to himself. Yes. I know Elaine got me an LJN last year, I think year, year or two ago. I have it in, I have it in a drawer not too far from where Mickey's sitting. I'll, you know. um, I didn't get the LGN. The LJN, um, initially, when I got the, the figures, the first figure I got was Hogan mm-hmm. because I wanted his belt. <laughs> I didn't want, I did, I did not like Hulk Hogan. I was never a Hulkamaniac. Um, I, I always rooted for the heels. That was, that was my, I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, maybe because they were, I was attracted to the, the coolness and shit, right? Yes. But 
Hogan had the belt. No one else had the belt. And I was a Paul Orndorff guy. And this is before I discovered. Oh, so were me and Mario. Yeah, this is before I dis- But that was before I discovered the NWA and Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors yeah, and Ric Flair, right? Because, again, we didn't have cable. We didn't have the superstation, if you will, right? So uh, I got Orndorff. And the fucking figure was just him flexing. So the only thing I could do with, with, with Paul Orndorff besides put the belt on him is do the torture rack. And I hate that move. That's Luger's move, right? Yeah. Right. So. I got him, and then I got Hogan, then I got Hillbilly Jim, and then I got the Sheik, and then my 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 friend growing up, my best friend growing up, Eric Terzo, he got, he had Volkov, and he got Snuka, and he had Morocco, and and then I got the ring, and then the cage, and we then we still I, have the ring. We I told you we saved everything from kids. We moved around a lot, so yeah. we kind of saved stuff. So Mario still has the original ring we had, and similar like you, we. First, didn't get Hogan. We got the Bulldogs because they had the belts. They had the tag belts, right? So yeah. that's why we got that. And then we got Volkov, Sheik, Hogan, a bunch of others. And if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. And correct me if I, if you know this. If not, the fans will definitely correct us. There was a tag team set of Hogan and Hillbilly Jim. I don't remember that. And they also came with belts. But they were never tag team champions, though, obviously. Wow, I'll have to look that up. Yeah. I didn't know that. But the Sheik and Volkov came as a team. The Bulldogs came as a team. I know the, the Hart Foundation, Foundation came Killer Bees. Killer Bees. They were they were the next set. They were yeah. next. But the initial run was Hogan, Andre, Andre, Sheik, um, the Bulldogs. I think um, George the Animal Steel was that. He's uh, maybe uh, Morocco was the first run. I love Morocco, by the way. Oh, one of my favorites too. Someone posted on Twitter all day. Post a picture of who was the IC champ when you were nine years old, mm-hmm. and of course Phil has the oldest picture on the thread. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's posing like <laughs> Ultimate Warrior, Edge, you know, uh, Don Morocco. Yeah, I think for me it was Rick Rude then. Either Warrior or Rude around 88. That would be, or Honky. So I'm four years, years older old. than you? How yeah, old are I'm you? 79 born, so 79. I'm 44. 44. 88, that would be Honky Tonk, yeah. Honky Tonk. We just did Honky Tonk last week. Oh, man, see? Yeah, you, that's the, uh, yeah, I did, I did that match with him and Steamboat. I, I didn't listen to that one yet. And this is why we can't have nice things. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. You don't have to, no one has to listen to every episode. I nah. just listened to the Billy Graham one. That's yeah, you told, me, to. you told me. You told me. You told me. You told me. But yeah, I. You know, he, but the Sheik was special because we we had this conversation too on the way here. Uh, the world was changing in the '80s, and and we and the U.S. didn't get along with anybody outside of the United States. They didn't like Russia. Of course, the Iran thing was a fucking deal because. The ho- we're, well, we're not even 10 years removed from the hostages being set free. It's only like eight years later, six years. When did Sheik win, lose it? Four years. So you're four years after the Iran controversy con- uh, thing with, with the hostages. So the, the the world is still bitter, especially us. We didn't like Iranians at all. And it's so weird, like, especially in New York. We live in New York. There's like 200 countries that live here, over 200 countries that live here, right? So you would think, like, oh, we're, we're more tolerable? No. We used to have sell shirts in the store, Russia sucks, Iran sucks, you know? My mom's like, I'm not buying you that shirt. I'm like, can I just have the Russia sucks? She's like, no, you don't, you don't even hate Russia. I'm like, you're right. I don't, everybody else is wearing it, though. <laughs> I was eight years old. I wanted I want to be cool like everybody else. I didn't hate Russia, and maybe partially because I liked Nikolai's rendition of the national anthem yeah. so much. I was like, man, that endeared me to Russia. How about the wrestling album when he sings Karamea? Oh, can't beat Jay it. Jay Black and the Americans. And he sings it well. He had a voice. And he was Polish. Yes. He was fucking Polish. Yeah, it goes, the screen goes out. It's, uh, it's in, it goes in sleep mode. I have to go. I, again, I just hooked up this computer again. We bought this computer before, right when the pandemic started. 
and we were going to switch, and then like, we everybody stopped showing up because we were all in different places. We were just doing like the Zoom thing. Mm-hmm. But then when we got back together, we never used the computer. So now I'm breaking it out again. I'm probably going to put more uh, parts into it and stuff like that. Um, I have to go into the settings, and I don't want to do that now. Maybe I'll do it on a break. Um, but I must tell you, it, it, Shiki passing away was, was sudden, but he was sick, you know. Um, and I guess we'll start breaking down his career. Um, let me bring up his little stats here. So I have to say the announcers back then, particularly Gorilla Monsoon, really put over how devastating his suplexes were in his move. They made him seem even more of a threat, more so than anybody he else. He gets no credit for his suplex. And he was fucking awesome. He yes. had the he had the gut he had wrench. the gut wrench. Oh my God. His suplex was mirrored uh, efficiently than like Dynamite's snap suplex that yeah. he had, Dynamite Kid. He can throw a he and he threw a gut wrench and he threw a fucking regular suplex. That's right. And no one, no one gave him that kind of credit. It was like, it was like, wow, I didn't know how. No one realized how good he was a a, a suplex guy. Yep. Him, Bob Orton was the first one I ever saw throw a superplex. Yeah, but uh, Cowboy Bob was awesome. Yeah, right. Uh, all right, so he's billed at six foot two fifty, at his biggest two fifty eight. March fifteenth, nineteen forty two. He was born in Iran. Um, trained by Vern Gagne, made his debut in seventy two. Mister Vern Gagne gave me my break. Bubba, um, uh, be, he did some stuff in AWA, but he didn't do a lot. Yeah, I've only actually ever seen one of his matches from there online anywhere. I don't know if there's any more than one interview from there. I don't know if there's much available. Kazro Vasari Ali. The real world champion. The real world champion. Chump on. He used to go chump on. <laughs> he couldn't say champion. Um... He went from different territories. He'd go heel because, again, he grew the mustache. Do you handle? Because he didn't have the mustache when he first started. That's right. He was like an. First of all, let's talk about his 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 career before wrestling. He was a bodyguard to the Shah of Iran, okay. And then when Iran started getting fucking flaky with stuff, he's like, nah. When they started knocking people off like the mafia. He came to the States. I think it was in one of the documentaries I saw of him, another bodyguard of the Shaw, who Sheik said was an even better wrestler than him. For whatever reason, they had a falling out, and he got killed by the Shaw of Iran's order. Said this sent him a message, man, I, yeah, I exactly, could be next, so I got to get out of here. That's exactly what happened. So he leaves. He comes to, to the States. He... um. He he um does he was he, first of all he represented Iran in the Olympics, and for Greco Roman. No, I don't think it was the Olympics. It was the Pan Am Games, I think. No, he was on the, he was on the Iranian team in the Olympics, but he didn't compete. He competed in the Pan. He, ah, okay. He competed in the Pan Olympic team in the Pan Olympic Games, um, and then he was a coach for the U.S. team. Yes, right. That's right. So he starts going into pro wrestling in seventy in in the early seventies. He gets trained by Vern Gagne, the same training class as Ricky Steamboat, uh, Brad Riggins, Ric Flair. What a class. Um, there was a couple other guys in that class, too. I forget who the, all the guys' names were. but That guy that died, that big guy, Chris Taylor. That um, Chris Taylor was in he it? He was um, the guy that was infamously suplexed in the Olympics. That He oh, was, I think, yeah. close to 350 pounds, and the guy uh-huh. suplexed him in the Olympics. And yeah. One of the most famous Olympic shots ever. That's, yeah, I forgot and about that. I think that's the only Flair AWA match available is him against Chris Taylor. And Televised. The guy, yeah, that, that guy died young of some 
disease. I forgot what it was, but that's why people don't know about him. Yeah, he, so he was, an, he was an Olympic medalist in 68. Uh, he was eliminated from his, his country's trials. Mm-hmm. But then he was in the Pan-Olympic Games, like you said, like you mentioned. Um, bouncing back and forth territories, he, grow, he, he goes heel, handlebar mustache, added wrestling boots with the curled toe. Um, that's a, that's a chic thing. It's an Arab thing. Shaved his head bald, and then he had the Persian clubs. I I always loved those. those right. Uh, he didn't, and he only did that in WWF when he was on like Tuesday Night Titans or so. He would never do it in a ring, mm-hmm. but he did it in a ring in these matches. Um, wh- whoever doesn't know, I forgot the name of them. They're these giant clubs that you would swing over your head. They're seventy pounds each. Let me let me say it again. Seventy pounds each. And with ease, he's swinging them. And he would get other wrestlers to try to do what he does. They would get them up and hold them. Can't swing them. Basically, li- deadlifting 140 pounds of, 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 of weight over your head and trying to swing swing it evenly, right? Is that, does that make sense? He changed his name to he, – he went, he went as his regular name. He changed his name to the Great Hussein Arab or Arab. And he won his first championship in Canada. He won a tag team championship, uh, Canadian tag team championship with his partner out of Texas Outlaw. I don't know who the Texas Outlaw was. I don't know. I, I want to say Texas Outlaw was either Dick Murdoch or somebody else. I don't have the name right now. He caught the eye of the WWF, made his debut in 79. He won his first ever battle royal in Madison Square Garden, which earned him a shot at Mr. Bob Backlund. Mr. Bob Backlund, um, who pinned him later that night in a 30-minute battle. That was their first battle. Um, he I'd fe- like to see that. Is that available? I have to find it, but uh, if you want to, if you want to come back and talk about that episode, talk about that match, definitely try to find it. Uh, he later feuded with Chief J Strongbow, and and then he feuded with Bruno San Martino, which I would like to see too. That would be cool to see. He leaves in the eighties. He left in nineteen eighty. Uh, he would resurface in the NWA territories, playing off real life politics, the, the hostage crisis I just spoke about. Uh, with animosity towards Americans, um, had the, he had the flag. He moved on to mid south and mid Atlantic territories, catch, capturing a mid Atlantic title from fucking Jim Brunzel. <laughs> he hated the other. He hated uh, B. Brian Blair yeah. though, but he beat Jim Brunzel for the mid Atlantic title, and he went to Georgia Championship Wrestling, where he had notable matches with uh, Dusty Rhodes, Dickie Murdoch, and Wildfire Tommy Rich, and then he had the national television title. Who he swapped with, Phil's one of Phil's least favorite wrestlers, Ronnie Garvin. We're not going to rehash that. He comes back in '83 as the Iron Sheik, challenging Bob Backlund for the title. On December 26th, 1983, he pins Bob Backlund without Bob Backlund um, submitting. Backlund, he had Backlund in the camel clutch. I never saw the camel clutch before that. He beats him. Arnold Scullin. Backlund's manager throws a towel in, right? Saved his life. Yeah. Uh, and he won the title. Now, he he, he had um, re- he had rematches with Backlund. Beat him. Feuded again with Jay Strongbow. Pat Patterson, who's now a face, right? Tito Santana, a very young Tito Santana. And then all that within a month. Yep. Then he drops the belt to Hogan, which is next year is the 40th anniversary, as we mentioned before. Uh, Vince McMahon uh, had taken the Fed in a different direction. We spoke about that, too. And, you know, again, Sheiky's part of that. Sheiky is probably 
the greatest transitional champion. I mean, unless, like I said, like I said before, unless anybody has an argument, please, by all means, let me know. Um, so, Hogan came back from the AWA, and then she gets into a few weeks of slaughter. But we know that story, too, we should mention that. Go ahead. Um, supposedly, she says Vern Gagne offered him, what was it, 15000 or 30000 100000 oh, To break Hogan's legs because... Hogan had left the AWA to make, yeah. without notice. So, yeah, so, so, so the story goes, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast a few times, too. Hogan goes and makes Rocky three, right? And Vern Gagne did not want him to make the movie. And didn't want him to go to Japan because Hogan had some very he had amazing success in Japan. And by wanted the way. his merch money. And wanted yeah. merch money because back then wrestlers made their own shirts. Yep. This merch didn't happen until Vince started doing it. I mean, let's be fair. The Crockett's did it too, but this was after the fact that Vince started doing it. Like, and I mid-80s. think AWA actually had the first figures. Didn't theirs precede the WWF? The Remcos. Yeah, didn't they slightly beat them to that time? Uh, maybe Remco had a figure. That style of figure with those, um, like Hercules and all these like mythical characters, mm-hmm. they just took the body shape and put different heads on them, made them like the role. I, I have Stan Hansen. I, I have to get him clothes though; he's naked. <laughs> 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 I want the Road Warriors though, and Paul Ellering, but I want them in mint condition, mm-hmm. even if they're loose. I want to get like the because Paul Ellering has the shirt says the Road Warriors on it. I'll have to ask next time I go to the Wrestling Universe, Jack. He has a lot of the old LJN and Remco loose figures. I'll see if he has them. Are you cool with Jack? I've known him 30 years. Very cool. So you're cool with Steve. That's a, that's a guy we should get on the podcast. Oh, great guy. Man. Yeah, he's, he's great. We that is go. a good guy we should get on. Yeah. He's been doing, he's been, he promoted ICW and a yeah, bunch of shit, right? Young, uh, low key, uh, yeah. Matt Stryker, Prince Nana, a lot of guys. Matt Stryker from, Amazing from, from Queens. Yes. Thank you very much. All right, so anyway, back to Shiki. The boot camp match, which uh, is on TV. I think it's on the network as well. It's on the cock, right? The boot camp match uh, put Shiki back on the mid-card uh, level. Upper mid-card. Upper right, mid-card, right. because then he became a tag team with, of course, Nikolai Volkov yep. uh, under the management of the uh, the, the, the Hollywood Ayatollah fashion plate. Blassie. Ayatollah Blassie, that's right. So Blassie now, because Blassie managed him when he was a singles guy, and now the guy told the classy one, the Hollywood fashion plate, Fred Blassie, rest in peace. Um, under the tutelage of, of Fred Blassie, they won the WWF Tag Team Championship by beating the U.S. Express, Barry Wyndham, and Mike Rotunda at? WrestleMania 1. That's right, correct. Maybe the best match on that night, right. right? Yep. And then that's it. They, don't, they have a small run. Blassie leaves the Fed. Slick takes them over, Correct. right? And then that's it. You don't hear from him anymore. Volkov becomes a, a mid-card, low-mid-card guy. Winds up going to DiBiase stable in the 90s. Yep. Like, so Nikolai Volkov had a job. Sheik didn't. Uh, at this point, Sheiky's married. A uh, bunch of kids. Married his wife, Carol. They've been together for a while at that point. He met her in, like when he first came to the country. Uh, he had a couple of daughters. One died tragically. That was awful. We yeah. About that. Yeah. Uh, in 87, Shiki goes to, to world class, and he stayed there for a few months, went back to Vern's AWA, where he attacked Slaughter again uh, in Puerto Rico. He was huge in Puerto Rico as a heel, huge. And I don't want to play the promos because they're in Spanish. 
and I don't want to disrespect anybody who doesn't speak Spanish. I'm like, I all the and he all the promos. He's got this manager, Chi Chi. Oh my god, I forgot the guy's name already. But if you ever see these on, online, it's a few of them. It's just he goes after he fights Carlos Colon for the title, and he's over. Like, I mean, no, don't let's not get it twisted. Carlos Colon was a fucking treasure in Puerto Rico. Yes, right. But Cheeky was a anywhere Cheeky went, he main evented. He was over as a Absolutely. heel, as a heel, right? Is that safe to say? So he goes to Puerto Rico, and then he does again teaming with Colonel De Beers, fighting Slaughter. Amazing. There is a very uh, touching Slaughter uh, video that just came out like the other day. Of him talking about Cheeky, he gets oh, all teared I'll have up. To look for that, I didn't it's see on. That. Yeah, it's on. I'm not gonna play it. It's just, it's, it's depressing. But he, it, he's like, he opens. He's like, you know, just expressing how hurt he was. Cheeky passed away because mm-hmm. again, in, back in the day, uh, guys made other guys in 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 spurts. It wasn't like now. There wasn't a lot of coverage on TV. These territories, some of these territories didn't have TV. So like, hey, I remember that guy. He put me over. That guy put me over, and Kevin Sullivan is is good with that too. Like he he remembers, like back in Florida when when the guys went through that, and and, and Gerald and, and Jack Briscoe same thing. Like they they'll put guys over, um, coming through the territories, and it it's that word of mouth. Hey, you put Steamboat over. That's how Steamboat got over. That's how Steamboat got signed. It was because of the Briscoes. You know what I'm saying? It's like you know they that's how Vince got him. But this happened a lot. Sheik mainly was never a face. Never. Was constantly a heel, um, and then he feuded with Tony Atlas too at that time, Mister USA, uh, in world class and in Puerto Rico. Both guys in Puerto Rico. And this is '88. This is around the time uh, Bruiser Brody passed away, which we're gonna probably cover on the anniversary show. I just have to get more footage of that. Uh, but you know, it's been 25 years since. Wow. 35 years. I'm sorry, since uh, Bruiser Brody got killed. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave and I do the bro- the Brody book though. We did we interviewed the guy who made the book. I Emerson. remember that. Yeah, yes, yeah. so we, we you can go back and listen to that. Um, comes back in 1991 as Colonel Mustafa. That's right. Lines himself with his former enemy, Sergeant Slaughter, who and General Adnan, who's Sheik Adnan Casey yes. from World Class. Um, they play the um the the the, the Iraqi sympathizers. Um, well, it's Slaughter was the Iraqi sympathizer. The yeah. other was supposed to be you know during the first uh, Gulf War. My my uncle was was involved in that. He he's now he's a retired off police officer. Feud with Hogan, following Slaughter's face turn in SummerSlam '91, he teams with General Adnan and they leave in '92 and left the promotion again. Okay, Sheiky goes independent in the mid '90s. Um, Chris Adams, remember gentleman Chris Adams from uh, World oh, Class, absolutely. right? Good talent. He, he very good talent. Asshole in real life, but yes. really good talent. His brother was an amazing judo practitioner. I don't know if he won an Olympic gold. Actually. How how do I not know this? All right, this that would be. Go on, get finish your point. No, just because um he was judo Chris Adams a lot, and his brother I forgot his first name, but was actually, you know, if you make it to the Olympics, you're top of the line. So that family was a talented family, but. From what I've seen of Chris Adams, how he ended his life, yeah, looked like he was a terrible human being. But I want to get some more world class footage of him and Gino Hernandez because they were fucking amazing. Gino was. They the have man. a lot of those super shows they did on YouTube now. Maybe we should we could do one of those. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, gentleman Chris Adams does a um, a tour to like Nigeria in '94, and Pepsi sponsored it. Believe it or not. And they had uh, Jimmy Snooker, Greg Valentine, Bill Eady, Demolition Axe, Mass Superstar, and of course, Terry, Kevin Von Erich. 
Yes. Who at that point owned World Class. Uh, and then it gets a little. Sh- I wish I still. I wish I had this footage. In '94, he goes to Japan and wrestles for UWFI. Never and, knew that. Yeah, and he had a submission match. He lost to a guy called Yuji Ano in five minutes and thirty seconds. Um, the in-ring action of UWFI, uh, though tailored to resemble the actual competitive bout, was in fact uh, made up of predetermined outcomes. So basically, it was like mixed martial arts, but it was predetermined. Mm-hmm. And if you ask Double A from the rant, he's convinced that it's still predetermined with U- UFC. <laughs> he's out of his mind. UFC I'm working with a lot of pro fighters, and people say this about boxing too, it's mostly on the lower level of stuff. On high level, you know, UFC or high level televised boxing and MMA, it's almost non-existent. But actually on lower level cards in the Midwest and other places, there are some predetermined bouts that happen to build guys' records up and this. So it's uh, it's legitimate that it happens, but not as much as the movies would portray it. For those who don't know, Mickey's a boxing aficionado. He boxed uh, amateur. You didn't go pro, right? No. You had, you had how many matches did you have? Twenty six. Twenty six. So you boxed amateur, and you work at a gym with a lot of pro with guys. a lot of pro yeah. guys right now, right? So I, you know, for me, I don't think that stuff is fixed. I think the I think the promoters fix who they want to have fight each other. I feel like um like with UFC, right? I'm we're sidetracking, but I don't care. It's my show. <laughs> um, I feel like uh, UFC. There's only one promoter. And he could promote whoever he wants in yes. each weight class, right? Even though there's a guy who's 10-0 and 0 who deserves a title shot, there's another guy who's more popular than him. You got it. He gets a title shot. That's how I feel boxing is now and, 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 and MMA is. I'll, I'll put it this way. The fighters in any thing, UFC, boxing, whatever, are always the last to get the money. Mostly how they fix stuff is through the officials, the referee, the judges. When you see these decisions, they know who to favor the A side and give them the benefit of the doubts and when they call penalties and fouls and take away points yeah. or the judges. That's how they fix it. Not really with the fighters so much with the officials. But the matches aren't fixed. No. I, that's what I, See, I, I, and I'm glad that we can straighten that out for some of these jabronis, you know? The word jabroni was originally used by the Sheik, by the yes, way. Yes, yes. And, and, and it was adopted by The Rock. The Rock just gave him his props and said, it, I didn't make up that word. Sheiky did. I got it from the Sheik. Good for The Rock. Good for The Rock. putting. It, and The Rock is really good at putting people. I know he's not a big, people aren't a big fan of him anymore because he went all Hollywood, but he still gives the business its props, and that's why I respect him. Same here. Right? Same here. So, all right. Um, in 2001, WrestleMania 17, Sheik was the victor in the gimmick Battle Royal. The reason why he won was because he could barely walk and move, and they legitimately gave him the, the battle royal because he couldn't. They wanted him there, but he couldn't. He couldn't fight. I it, think he couldn't take the bump out of the ring. Yeah, right? and that all, and on top of that, he couldn't even. It took him almost the length of the match for him to get to the I ring. Remember that, yes. So they gave it to him at sixty years old. And that was seventeen. That was twenty something. Great years, moment, right? One of the best WrestleMania, right? You think so? That was a good WrestleMania at the Astrodome, right? Was it? I thought that was Toronto. No. 2000 was at, I was at 2000, I was 20. 2001 was Austin Rock. I think that was Astrodome, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, 2002 was Toronto, Toronto Rock and Hogan. Rock and Hogan, right. Um, and on May 5th, 2003, Iron Sheik's daughter Marissa, uh, 27 years old, was found strangled to death in her apartment by her living boyfriend, Charles Warren Reynolds. 
uh, 38 years old, who confessed to the crime and was charged with murder. If you've seen, if you've seen the, the Shiki documentary, um, Shiki goes into a really, de- really bad depression, uh, smoking crack, cocaine, uh, smokes pot, drinks heavily, puts on a ton of weight, and just destroys his life, basically. He almost lost his marriage. He, yeah. His wife left him. His daughters were like, they, you know, and at this point, he was he hit rock bottom. Um, started doing appearances after that at conventions, and that's where we see him at these conventions and stuff like that. With this uh, guy Eric Sims, who was his, like his promoter, his manager, whatever, did a bunch of shoot videos for RF, uh, very famous ones. Now I just played the clips before, um, and it didn't have see him in a good light. And then he became like a character on the Howard Stern show. We talked about that too, um, but. It wasn't chic. It was, and then, of course, his Twitter, the last several years, became a thing. It became pop culture. His Twitter account became oh, no. pop Celebrities culture. would retweet Celebrities him. retweeted him. He made friends with everybody. And he would, he would say things, and his promoter would tweet them. Like, fuck the Mondays. <laughs> like, my friend still says that every day. Ah, fuck the Mondays. She doesn't even know who Hawaiian Chic was. She saw it on Twitter. Fuck the Mondays. I love it. Right? But to us... He was a hero. To us, he was a superstar. And again, one of the first s- sports entertainers who can wrestle. The Ma- documentary did a really good job, I thought. It didn't sugarcoat his shortcomings when he went through the hard time and went off to drugs, but it showed him in a sympathetic light. And that, you know, he does have a long-term marriage that was good for the most part. He was a very loving father and stuff. He just... He was a great father, apparently, when, yeah. when you ask his daughters, right? He just, you know, like all of us, he has his ups and downs. And uh, the documentary was great, I thought. It was really good. Growing up with a parent who was addicted to drugs, I can tell you that... And my dad wasn't... He wasn't a living dad either. My dad, my parents split when I was a year old, but my dad was in my life. Uh, in and out when he wasn't when he was home <laughs> when he wasn't incarcerated, my dad was a great guy. Just demons. Shiki was a great guy. He had his demons. Uh. And growing up, how many friends have we had? Relatives, friends, who are amazing human beings, amazing human beings, just can't kick that demon. Right? Does that make sense? We we all have friends like that or family. Yeah, same same with you. My mother was a drug addict, and two different people from when she was clean and had her act together to when she was active, two different human beings. It was night and day, and it's uh, shocking, actually. People wouldn't recognize one person from the other. With a parent that hits home, Nikki's mom, my dad, like that, that, that mentality of, you know, even though it's your parent, there's still this fucking other person, mm-hmm. and that other person is not a good person. Shiki finally, after years of beating himself up, cleaned up. In 2005, he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame by his boy, Sergeant Slaughter. One of the greatest speeches, if not the greatest. He, he said goodbye speech. like 17 times, <laughs> and the crowd goes ballistic. It's, it's insane. Um, uh, you know, I don't really get emotional a lot, but this year alone, we lost uh, Jay Briscoe and, and Superstar Billy Graham and, and Iron Sheik. But these are guys that make significant changes in wrestling. When a superstar can do that, um, I mean, he was 80 years old, so it wasn't like he, you know, he, he lived, oh, he lived a good life, whatever, whatever. Um, Master of the Camera Clutch, 
Mickey and I mentioned his suplex, one of the best suplexes ever. He had the throat thrust drop. He had a drop kick when he he could throw a drop kick when oh, back yeah. in the day, right? He did the abdominal stretch, which I I I I want to say next to Bruno, I think he was the only guy I, I first saw do that. And his yeah, his you know you see some people it doesn't look like anything. His looked painful. He looked like he put some torture. Do you see this? Like it looks like a torturous move, a torturous hold. It might be me. You you don't have to agree with me or not, but I feel like every wrestler who has an amateur background with grappling or judo or wrestling makes those moves f- look more realistic than they are. I agree. Right? All right. Um, he was he was with Jimmy Hart's first family. Of course, I mentioned we mentioned Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. Uh, Triangle Terror. He was managed by Jimmy Hart, Slick, General Adnan, and Freddie Blassie. He managed the Sultan. That's right. I forgot about Who was that. Rikishi, right? Yes. Okay. He was trained by, uh, he had Vern Gagne. Gino Martino was in that training class, too. Rick, uh, Ricky Steamboat, Jim Brunzel was in that training class as well. Uh, I mentioned the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Championship. He was a Continental Wrestling Champion. He was the NWA Canadian Heavyweight Champion twice. He was National TV Champion once. He went to the NWA Hall of Fame in 08, which I didn't know until I read this the other day. He was the North Pacific Northwest Tag Team Champion with Bull Ramos. That's um, that's Owens' uh, territory where Piper was Portland, from. Right? Portland, right, yeah. Uh, and then I mentioned his uh, other accolades in the WWF. So we'll play some promos. Here's a good one for you. And my distinguished guest from the Middle East, he's from Persia, from Iran. He is Sheikh Alahani, Khosrow Vasari, the Iron Sheik. Anybody that knows wrestling knows that it's synonymous with the Iron Sheik. Welcome back to the beautiful South Florida area here in Miami. Thank you very much, Jimmy, intelligent American, intelligent Miami city, all American resting city. People like you always tell the mean Sheik, welcome to the Miami. Now, all of the sons, young punk American, come to the WWF, toughest, roughest area in the world, and he beat bunch American, and he makes a name for himself. Exactly. You know who I'm talking about, I right? know exactly. Exactly. Now, Miami, all intelligent American, Italian, my Banzan, Iranian, all Jewish people, yeah. intelligent Jew like yourself, they know about the Aaron Sheik. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. They have the, the from John F. Kennedy Airport to the Los Angeles, California. They know who is the Aaron Sheik. Now, Corporal Kirshner. Corporal Kirshner. Forever. Last time you was lucky, that blonde was your partner. Danny Spivey. Exactly. This time, just you and I. Precisely. Exactly. You better get ready, because Sheik born ready, cameraman. Thank you. Miami Night Center, Monday, April 28th. All right. Yeah, it was good. Mickey stepped away. I'm playing some promos. Here's another one for the Junkyard Dog. As a result of what transpired in that big tag team bout involving Junkyard Dog and the Iron Sheik, needless to say, now it has come down to one-on-one. You, Sheik Alahani, to meet the great black star, the Junkyard Dog. Mr. Junkyard Dog, whatever your name is, I remember last time what we did it to you. You was like dirty, black, 
dog on the ring and all your fans and all the white people and black people in the San Francisco or Oakland, California, everybody call USA, USA. But the honest, intelligent, American, honest, intelligent, Arabian, Iranian in the Oakland side, what I did that to you. And that people said, Iran, Iran. Now, this time, gonna be completely different. I hope somebody call in the Oakland, California or San Francisco hospital to the bring the ambulance we have, over there. We have hospitals both in San Francisco and Oakland. That's right. No, you don't have to correct me. I know my English is not good like you, sir. Remember, John Jardock, this time somebody have to go hospital. And then for sure is you, Iran, number one. Allahu Akbar. Ashhadu Allah, Allah, Allah. Salam Allah. Thank you very much. Wednesday night, the second Oakland Coliseum. Do not miss it. I got some more. I got to play some. I got, I got at least two more. Then we'll take a break and we'll do a throwback. You want to say something? I'm sorry. Um, I just want to mention one other story about Bruno San Martino always told it also where this football players tried to attack Bruno back in the locker room. Have you heard that story? The one no. You, you're bringing all this fucking knowledge oh, today. Um, Drop some so knowledge on me. Bruno shook the guy's hand, and the guy wouldn't let go, and he called him an old wash-up, whatever. This was in the mid-'80s, and they started fighting, and the football players, three or four other guys, ganged up on Bruno, and Sheik was taking a shower, heard the commotion, came out and, and helped Save Bruno, and apparently they kicked the guy's asses out of there. Whatever. No shit. Yeah, you know where it was? I'm not sure. I just saw this in the last few days when he died, and then Bruno was talking. Did Bruno about mention it. where it was, or he just mentioned the story? Uh, he just mentioned the story. That's I'm cool. Not nah, sure that, either was, way. No, nah, that's a cool I shit. Though. That was a cool thing. That yeah, absolutely, man. Bruno's absolutely. Back there. Yeah. And uh, also about despite his gimmick with the pro-Iranian stuff, Sheik actually loved the U.S. very much in interviews, talked about what an opportunity it gave him and what a great life he's had in America. So people remember the USA Hawk too, but he actually loved this country very much, always wore the bandana of the United States. Yeah, he was proud. Listen, he uh, the story is great, man. The story is he left his oppressed country, came here, made a life, and he was in – and this is not even like a right place, right time – he was talented. The problem is, it was the the, the 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 industry was taking a huge fucking turn. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. what's this is you'll, you'll appreciate this one. Let's, this is what she can volk off. Oh, yes, uh, Kazwal Basari, Sheikh Kalahani, the Iron Sheik. Before I get into this, I just want to mention that uh, I think Mean Gene was the best man in Sheikh's wedding, or vice versa. That that's what if you mention if you watch um, a lot of the interviews. Uh, mean Gene always mentions him by his real name, almost all oh, the time. Oh yes, I do. So that, hear that yes. yeah, so they they were friend, really good friends out there because they started they ate their way together as well. That's right. You you've heard? Have you ever heard the expression "man speak with forked tongue"? You know, Gene Mean, you intelligent American. Thank you've you. been in the library. You read about a lot of different country, a lot of different athletic. I just want to ask you a very simple question. I don't care you are Jew American or I don't care you are all American boy, but I'd like to ask you a very simple question. Sure, go right Can ahead. you tell me very random and Mac Rotondo what can a Pan American been, what Olympic been, what the AAU been, uh, what, uh, the what, what, what international compete they had? Can you tell me anyone? 
Well, I would have to go back to the library to check that out and go back to the record. What do you mean you have to go to the library? You want to tell me? Are you dumb? Are you a fool? Mark Rotondo, Barry Vandom, every intelligent American know, just like my manager, Mr. Blasi, said, referee that Uncle Rufus was your cousin or whatever. That's because you're cheating us. No, you don't believe the uh, Mr. Blasi, you don't believe the Nikola Volkov. I'm sure you believe Mark Rotondo. You believe uh, Barry Vandom. For sure you are another all-American Jew man. Well, thank you very much. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. I got one more. I like all the 80s music they used to play in the movies. So, oh, no, that's it. If you ever played the race. Um, so, yeah, man, rest in peace to the Sheik. Sheiky baby, we miss you, Bubba. We're going to miss you. Good stuff, man. Right? Like, just good stuff with him, man. Very memorable. I yeah. Anything else on the Iron Sheik before we take a break? Any other any other tidbits you would hold it off, hold them from me? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Turnbuckle Throwbacks. It's myself. It's Mickey D in the building. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to plug our friends. And then we're going to do this throwback that we should have done years ago. But uh, Mickey has been since fucking... Christmas time, they're telling me, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. 30th anniversary. And I found, and I found it on, on I, I actually had the video. I actually have it. I, I emailed Mickey with it, and I have it. And we're going to have a good time. It's going to be great. Um, So we're going to have a good throwback. So let's, let's take a quick break. Let's plug our friends, and uh, we'll be back with the throwback of the week. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite to chat along with the show. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder. Because if you don't find us, we will find you. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at The Broadcast. That's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T. And you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly, available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. you like your music heavy, then check out Radioactive Metal on the Shining Wizards Network. For over 16 years now, Radioactive Metal has been one of the longest-running podcasts. Over the years, we've interviewed some legendary metal acts, had some awesome discussions, 
and crank a hell of a lot of tunes. So join your cool Uncle Snowy and his co-host Aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast... Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews, and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. The Shining Wizards is the greatest wrestling podcast of all time. Don't believe me? Tune in and check us out. We laugh, we cry, we interview some of the greatest people in professional wrestling, and we have some of the greatest segments of all time, including everyone's favorite wrestling game show, Can You Beat That? We're live 6.50 p.m. East on Monday night on all social media platforms, and we're with you wherever you go on every single streaming and podcasting platform as well. Check us out. Go over to ShiningWizards.com and join us for some wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. WWE legend Native American Tatanka, and you're listening to Turnbuckle Throwbacks. And now, here is your throwback of the week, sponsored by the Shining Wizards Network and Rant EM Radio. All right, we're back. Episode 483 of the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. It's Phil, it's Mickey D. And this has been, let's see, what did we talk about this first? I want to say it was the end of last year, but then January you were like, listen, you got to do this. And I was like, yeah, you know, I should, we should, I, 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 I don't remember de- doing it. I remember getting the footage from a, uh, a former friend of ours, <laughs> um, and I I believe I got it from him or I I I have the DVD. I just don't know whose handwriting it is. I think I bought it from somewhere, or maybe I got it from like one of those homemade folks on Etsy or some shit like that or whatever. Not Etsy, like there was a f- website back in the day. It was like eBay, and these guys made DVDs out of I video videotapes. The website because I used to order stuff too. Yeah, I I got the first great. I got the first Clash of Champions from there. So I had the first clash. I on. ordered the whole collection from there. Yeah. The entire. I got. There's a bunch of stuff I have. I have a lot of stuff from Japan, but I bought that from from um. Uh, another um. Ivy IVP video. Yeah, but anyway. So. It's the thirtieth anniversary. 
of this particular pay-per-view. Right? So we're going my son's birthday, June 13th, 1993. He'll be 16 on Tuesday. I can't believe it. And you've seen how much he eats, right? So, since 1988, you good? Your headphones are good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Since 1988, the WWF had four major pay-per-views. Now they're adding a fifth. They held the King of the Rings before, and they weren't televised. So your previous kings were, of course, Macho Man, Haku, Harley Race, and I think Duggan was the first, yep. right? right? I think so. Okay, I'm just doing this by memory, so. Um, but it didn't really become a thing, and then there were title matches. I remember the, the first one having a title match. I think Hogan and Piper were the first one on 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 the first one, King of the Ring, the the one that that Duggan had won. I think Don Morocco won the first one. There was always the, the title matches almost trumped. The tournament. Yes. This time around, though, it did not. So it's the Nutter Center in Dayton, Ohio. 6,500 paid. Uh, your commentators are Macho Man, Bobby Heenan, I believe, and, uh, and Vince McMahon, right? No, no, and JR. And JR. Just JR's second. Because second, his yeah, first one was Mania 9. Yeah. Right, so JR, not Vince, I'm sorry. Um, the Heartland of America. Oh, you know, Vince is on it. He's like, welcome to Heartland of America, Ohio. And uh-huh. the opening, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, first-round matches have a 13-minute time, 15-minute time limit, uh, and the semis have a 30, and the finals get an hour, right? So, this is the 1993, if you didn't know already, King of the Ring. The King of the Ring. Um, you want to announce the combatants first? You know, you know who all the guys are first before we get into the matches? Yes. First round matchups, Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. Okay. Mr. Perfect versus Mr. Hughes. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Right. And Lex Luger versus Tatanka. Nice. So your first quarterfinal match. Anyway, we got distracted. Sorry about that. Open it. We got to get lunch. The lunch came super early. I wasn't expecting that. I ordered the I ordered pizza and I figured I told Mick like what forty five to an hour, and then we literally started like I ordered it and like ten minutes later this guy shows yeah, up. Was fast pizza was fucking. It was so hot that cheese was still running off of it. Maybe we were the first order. I don't know. Um, maybe we were first delivery. Yeah, first delivery. Because it's mean. still early in the day. So, anyway, quarterfinal match, opening match, Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. Now, before we get into Mickey's notes, just to, just a quick recap. Um. These two met at the Royal Rumble, right? Earlier this yes. that year, right? Um, Very good match. Yeah, Bret Hart would, you know, whatever. But uh, Bret Hart's shoulder. I mean, I mean, there's a couple things going on in this match. Um, but well, you now you took your notes. Yes. You went you went blow by blow, or you went no like, no just like little footnotes here and there. And uh, Razor is still a heel, but there's some Razor Razor chance. Yeah. Mixed in with the one, two, three chances. He had just lost to the one, two, three kid in that right, amazing right. upset on Raw. Correct. I was at that. That was the first Raw. I think I was at the first Raw. I think that thing, uh, well, I was at the first Raw at the, Ham- at the Hammerstein. I think that match was on the first Raw. I, I have to look it up. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe the first it, month. It was I definitely an early one. So, all right. So, we'll get, it, we'll get into this match. Give me your notes on this match. And then what we'll do is we'll get into Mickey. Mickey took a lot of notes. We'll get into Mickey's notes, 
and then I'll give you a footnote and I'll play the end of each match. All right? Is that yeah, how you want to cool, do it? Cool, cool, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, no. I just took note that big crowd response for Brett. He was super right. popular here. Probably on the show, only Hogan, who people don't remember, still got huge response from yeah, the crowd yeah. there. Um, like I said, strong-looking, impactful offense for both guys, man. Crowd was into both of their moves. Again, even though Razor was the heel, they were right, the right, heel. right. They weren't particular. They were rooting more for Brett, but they liked Razor too. They didn't hate him like the yeah um, face heel dynamic. Um, let's see. Uh, I was saying they had good chemistry between. Them. I actually think they could have done more with them, like giving them an actual feud. The only two matches I ever remember for them were the Rumble and this, where I think they could have had like a strong, long feud these guys, and it would have sold well they were both two of the popular guys at that era but yeah wasn't to be i guess yeah so that was it yeah all right so brett wins uh 10 minutes 25 seconds let's let's play the end of this match he can't let this happen brett Hart's oh, baby. no 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 he's got the arms up test the strength here on What's, what's it man doing? What a resource move by the hitman. Inside table. One, two, no! man. Two, two. Thought he had him. And a shoulder up. I thought he had it too. Oh, close eye. What a great match. And this is just the beginning. This is the king of the ring. How bad do you want it? Show us. What a physical opening encounter. Can you imagine? One of these men will oh. be the winner. After taking a beating like this, you're going to come back and wrestle again. That takes a lot of conditioning, a lot of courage, a lot of guts. To win this tournament, you got to wrestle. Oh, he countered it. He countered a suplex. What a oh, he got him. He got it this time. What a, what a victory. This microphone keeps falling on me. <laughs> so Brett wins at 10 minutes and 25 seconds. He, uh, Brett uh, tries to do a backslide, but... Again, doesn't. So Razor walks up to the corner, flips over, and gets a close two count with a small package. We thought it was over. Razor goes to set him up for the for the um Sack second rope, <laughs> the, the second shit suplex. But Brett counters it and lands on top of him for the one, two, three. Yeah, nice closing sequence. I thought it was good. Exciting yeah. match. Really. Yeah, really absolutely, good absolutely, story. absolutely. Um, give me one second. Uh, what's your next match, Mick? Mister Perfect versus Mister Hughes. Oh, yes, and then they show clips of uh, Mr. Hughes stealing Undertaker's urn, right? That was yes. the storyline at the point. And Mr. Hughes is managed by Harvey Whippleman. Uh-huh. Who we will see. It won't be the last time we see him tonight. <laughs> we'll get into that later. Yeah, man. let's get to it. All right, let's see here. Hold on a second. Oh, no, that's not it. Uh, Brett's talking with Mr. Perfect. Uh, oh, wait. I want to get the end of the, the perfect match. So, all right. You got any notes on this? Yes. Um, huge ovation for perfect, too. And he wasn't babyface that long, but I really think he could have been a top babyface if he had stayed healthy and been around, too. I mean, the crowd was really into him. Uh, he throws the towel around his back, and it lands right on Mr. Hughes' shoulder. That is amazing aim <laughs> to be able to do it. He wasn't right next to him. It was, you know, five feet away. It landed perfectly. Uh, the table. match wasn't that good, but um, but because of because of you, you want Mr. Perfect to have all the good matches because he yes. was so good, right? So let's go to the end of this match. 
to just go for anything he can. Hey, wait, wait. Hey. He, he's going for that arm there. No he's way. He's to the Undertaker. He, oh, oh my man. gosh. He had perfect right on the side oh, of the head. No. He went decision ladies and gentlemen the referee has awarded the bout as a result of a disqualification to mr Urban. all right ladies and gentlemen so perfect will advance and hughes nearly without iron got himself disqualified perfect gotta get out of there. i remember picking him to win to win it perfect yeah so mr perfect wins at six minutes two seconds he, uh, Mr. Hughes hits him with the uh, with the urn, gets disqualified. Um, we go to the back. Uh, mean Gene interviews Yokozuna for the big match, for the big title match, the rematch from WrestleMania. Um, let's take you to that interview right now, shall we? Over Mr. Hughes. Now let's go to some pre-recorded comments with our colleague Mean Gene Oakland, along with Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna. We are in the dressing room area of the challenger for the World Wrestling Federation title in the main event tonight. We are here with Yokozuna and his manager. And gentlemen, I must say, the last time that Yokozuna had occasion to get into the ring with Hulk Hogan, the results were disastrous. As a matter of fact, in that very controversial match. Wait a minute. Let me tell you, in WrestleMania 9, my Yokozuna defeated you, Brad Hitman Hart. A hard 20-minute match plus. Hogan cheated. You cheated. You stole the belt for my Yokozuna. Come tonight, Billy Strong. As you look across the ring, you'll see a different Yokozuna, a bigger Yokozuna, a wiser Yokozuna. You're the Yokozuna. Hanashine. Hogan, American hero. You and America will go down. So he who I I picked perfect to win, but he is who I wanted to win. Scott Charles Bam Bam Bigelow. Phil Ray, a fun fact. You guys all know he's one of my favorites. I'm a mark for the Bam Bam. Um, another amazing guy, by the way, who I met in ECW. Uh, nice, one of the nicest guys. Had an ice cream parlor in the Poconos at one point. He went to eat his ice cream parlor. One of the best big man ever. Probably, yeah, athletic-wise. Uh, quarterfinal match, him against Ho, the very first King of the Ring winner, Hacksaw Jim, no, not the very first, um, first World Rumble winner is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Uh, so get into your notes then, Nick. All right, the commentary I write with J.R. Heenan and Macho, I have a good chemistry, there's a good thing going on, we didn't see them together long, because Heenan left, but uh, they were good together. Heenan was hilarious in the match, he claims Hacksaw was a bully in Glen Falls where he grew up and was known as the wimp of the town. Would just walk around with his two-by-four and work people over. So I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Bam Bam is amazing this match. Gets most of the offense as Hacksaw sells the ribs. But um, it's funny you said that he was one of your favorites. I always thought that for the big man, Vince should have gone with him as champ over Yoko. Who's scarier than a guy with tattoos, legit tattoos in his head? Bigger man, more agile than Yoko. I never knew why Vince didn't do more with him. He wanted to push a monster here. Well, the anti-American thing is always. Yeah, I, I guess that's what he wanted. Back to then, go it was with. still yeah. a thing, right? And uh, another thing is, what's up with Hacksaw wearing the one, uh, the uh, 
one, <laughs> the, the onesie, the yeah, the what's that like the, the amateur wrestling, the amateur wrestling yeah. singlet, you know. Normally he comes out with just trunks. I yeah, guess I don't he's maybe he's out of shape. For long. Yeah. Well, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Oh. We'll take it to the end of the match, shall we? If I had some volume, that'd be help, right, right, Phil? Yeah. <laughs> got him! Oh, he got him! Oh, how much? He got him up. Slams oh, Big Bam Bam. Three-point stance, and oh, he struck the top turnbuckle with his head. Duggan just moved the ring from the impact. Bigelow up on top, God, 400 pounds with that headbutt. He's got the leg hook, and Bigelow wins it. Head will advance. That's all Jim Duggan is history. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Your winner, Bam Bam Bigelow. And he will meet the... Winner between the narcissist Lex Luger and Tatanka. Coming up in a few moments. Yeah, look at that. Uh, Bam Bam wins four minutes and 59 seconds with a big, big headbutt. Um, there's not much he did wrong in my eyes still to this day. I should show you that. Uh, it's I an got awesome the, sight, him coming off the top rope with that headbutt. They came out with, with the ECW champion figure of him last year. Oh, I didn't see I'll that. I'll show it to you. It's actually yeah. in that in that hold on a second. I want the I wanted to I want that. And look at this Terry Taylor doing backstage interviews. I'd forgotten he was there at this point. Right, the Red Rooster um interviews the Smoking Guns and the Steiner Brothers before their eight big eight man match. Uh both teams mentioned how their finishing moves were unstoppable, but Rick Steiner jumps and boxing on everyone. So let's see what he does here. Let me get that to you. The volume. This is what we can have me sing. Go ahead and create no, not normally a real professional studio. People will be doing this for me, but we got to do it all ourselves. This is how we do it here. We're, we're homegrown. We're DIY. We're punk rock. CM video where you get this interview exclusively. Now, listen, Billy, you're going to go against money. Yeah, this wasn't on a pay-per-view. And an eight-man tag. You guys got to be the underdogs because the pressure's on your first King of the Ring tournament. How do you feel? That's true, Mr. Taylor. The pressure is on because this could be like a mini battle royal. You're talking eight guys in the ring at the same time could happen but i can't think anybody i'd rather have on my team than my brother bart and the steiner brothers that's a good point you guys have worked on that revolver your finishing maneuver do you think that'll be the key to victory no we worked on it hard and we feel if we hit it on anybody that it'll beat anybody in the world wrestling federation hmm. well scotty steiner you guys have been chasing money incorporated for quite a while now do you think the frankensteiner will be the key to victory oh i know terry taylor nobody's gotten up with the frankensteiner if i hit any of those four guys with frankensteiner tonight we'll win the match that's a good point too well, dog face. Yeah, you know, come face. down to the dog pile because we're going to be a bunch of green dogs in the ring. Hoo, 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 hoo. You got it here in the locker room, everybody. They're excited. Let's throw yeah. it to the ring. Woo. All right, Mick, what's up? Who would have guessed 30 years later, basically the only active wrestler still around is Billy Gunn, and he's more over than any time in his career. Right? What's he, 55 now, something looks like that? looks better than ever. Yeah. He looks amazing, and he, he still has he still has it. What can you say? You got to give him all the credit in the world. Not a big fan of this guy, but he's a one of the most physically fit, gifted athletes ever. Absolutely. Get it, let's get into this, Nick. What's the next quarterfinal match? Lex Luger versus Tatanka, both undefeated. Um, they cover up Lex's loaded arm. Remember the plate, the gimmick where he had the plate, uh, the steel plate. So yeah, from the motorcycle cover accident. Up her yeah. Band. Um, terrible, terrible refereeing in this match. Tatanka attacks Luger at the very beginning of the match while he's posing his mirror, smashes the mirror into him twice. Why wasn't he disqualified right away? 
was in front of the referee. I don't know. Um, they did a cool move where Tatanka had Lex in an arm bar. Lex powered him up and slammed him, but Tatanka kept holding on to the arm and didn't let go. I, I always liked that move. A few guys would do that. I think that's something somebody could use today where they don't let go on the slam. Yeah. Um, 15-minute match, it goes to a draw, so both guys stay undefeated, and Bam Bam gets a bye. Gets because, a bye, yeah, because yes. both guys went to it. Now, my thing is, too, Luga, Luga could have won the match. He had him in a backbreaker. Drop the guy. Go for a fucking pin. Go for a pin. You could, I mean, obviously thinking as a kid, like, go for the pin. You yes, know, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm 18, 19 years old. Go for the pin. But it was, uh, you know, not the two best guys to wrestle to a time in a draw, right? Yeah, we, it was okay. It know, wasn't it was, bad. Yeah. It was just a few minutes. The few minute, the last couple of minutes of the match were fun. Yeah. They right? Do, I, do, do we agree there? Yes. And the one thing, though, it was a 15-minute draw, but Lex, the heel, asks for five more minutes and starts getting cheered. But then he does the cowardly stuff to Tonka chase him out. But I'm like, why did they have the heel asking for five more minutes? It's always the baby face that asked for five more minutes. I would have beat you, right? Yeah, of so course. It's strange to have Lex do it in the crowd cheering him while he's still heel. I didn't I didn't quite get that. Yeah, listen, um, you know, it is what it is. Now, the next semifinal match before you get into your notes, um, former co host of the show, Mr. Choppy Margassa. Uh Choppy always said that this match between these two guys was better than the one at SummerSlam 91. And I agree. I This is actually my favorite match of all time. Wait a minute. Stop. This, this is? Yes. So you're I actually never say the best match ever. My personal favorite match. And it is a great match. So this is this is cool because this is, you know, this is the, the throwback that you wanted to do. On top of that, your favorite match of all time is, yes. is, is, is on this card. And the entire thing about it, the pre-match interview is amazing. Where We can play it right yes, now. Let's play that. Let's play that right now, shall we? Let's take you now to uh, one of my favorite interviews ever, too. So. Look at this, two for two. I am. All right, let's do it. Been eliminated, and a key thing to remember: Bam Bam Bigelow now will advance directly to the finals. I, I bet Bam Bam Bigelow is happy as unbelievable that he gets the gets the buy and gets to go in the finals. Yeah, the Tonkin Lugers, you see the bracket for the draw. Bigelow advances to the semifinal to the finals. Bigelow already in the finals of this King of the Ring tournament. Plus he gets a rest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, the other final position will be determined between Brett the Hitman Hart and Mr. Perfect. I understand standing by live with those two athletes, our colleague, Mean Gene Okerlund. With me at this time, Mr. Perfect and Brett the Hitman Hart. Both of these men have advanced to the semifinal round. Gentlemen, before we talk about that, let me reiterate. Neither Tatanka nor Lex Luber are going to be advancing to the semifinal round. Bam Bam Bigelow was to have met the winner of that match. However, he gets a pass. He gets a, a, a bye, and he'll go to the finals to meet either you, Bret Hart, or you, Mr. Perfect. Before we talk about... That particular matchup, Bret Hart, did you not say earlier on that you would prefer to wrestle Mr. Perfect over Mr. Hughes, and why? Well, I just wanted to wrestle Mr. Perfect because I have more respect for his you, wrestling You think ability. he's an easier opponent than Mr. Hughes would be? 
No, that's not what I said. Yeah, that's that's what what I, said. Over, I mean, is that what you said? I think no, you I, probably kind of intimated that, well, really. You maybe took it the wrong way. What I meant is that I, that I respect Mr. Perfect's wrestling ability, and I'd like to go in there and have a wrestling Wait, match. Wait, no, you said you said you prefer the endurance as to the size and strength of Mr. Hughes. Is that what you said? No, I didn't. I, well, if, if I, you, I you said that, you could have got by Mr. Hughes what you're saying. No, I, I think very well I could get, a pa get past uh, Mr. Hughes. The fact that I think I can get past you, but is the thing is, I respect Let's draw a thing. Hold on, wait a second, guys, please. Let's draw a couple of analogies. Both of you are second-generation right. wrestlers. Your father, a great one, and of course, uh, Larry the Axe, a great one. But uh, did the two of them ever meet? I'm very curious. Yeah, they met. My dad beat his dad. Your dad never beat my dad. Hey, I remember SummerSlam, Hart. I owe you, and tonight I'm going to pay back. And don't ever say your dad could beat my dad because he couldn't on his best day. Hey, gentlemen, I want to know well, one thing. Like does this king of the ring, problem. just a second, but does this king of the ring mean that much to both of you? Is it going to be a scientific match or you're going to throw the rule book out the window? I'll tell you something. My style has never changed. I'll do what I have to to win because why I am a winner. Okay, Brett? You weren't in SummerSlam. Wait a minute. Are you suggesting... Uh, Look, all I'm saying is the king please. of the ring is the most important thing in the world to me right now, and I am going to win. All right, very like good. I thank you, okay. uh, gentlemen. Just let me put it this way. You made the best man win. Gotcha. Oh, Just like I'm going to get you out in the ring. Just like you. I'm going to get you out in the ring, Hitman. I'm Mr. Perfect. I am what I say I am, and that's perfect. What you're saying is the mutual admiration, the respect, all of that, the friendship are out the window. Everybody knows this is the king of the ring. It's for the crown. And I'll tell you what, Hitman. All you Canadians are alike, and I'll tell you very plain and very simple. I'm Mr. Perfect. I owe you for SummerSlam, and tonight you're going to get it, Bret Hart. Mr. Perfect is going to prevail. All right, ladies and gentlemen, things are... All right, Mick, here we go. That was amazing. Mean Gene stirring it up between them. Um, the stuff with their fathers. My dad never beat your... Your dad never beat my dad. And uh, you could see the competitiveness between them. Uh, this match to me, just the reversals they were doing. I liked when Perfect was a face. They never, though, made him as a goody two-shoes. He still did some of the dirty stuff, like he said in an interview. He had to do what he had to do to win. Um, he does the top rope drop kick off in this match. I don't remember him ever doing that in the WWE, WWF at the time. In the AWA, that was one of his finishes, but it was cool that he broke that out in this match. Yeah. Do you remember him ever doing it in the WWE? Too? No, no, not now. I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. <laughs> so I don't, you know, um, my the ring psychology, the storytelling, uh, probably the match of the year at this point, and we're only in June, right? Yep. Uh, for nineteen ninety one. Because, you know, WCW wasn't doing very good in 91. They were getting their stars. But the Mr. Perfect resorting to the heel tactics, too, made Bret Hart super desperate. If you're going to do st storytelling, right? Yes, I agree. And a great job with the storytelling. With In the first match, Razor was stomping on Bret's hands continuously. Both his hands yeah. with his boots. They had... Brett's hands taped up in this match, and then Perfect was ringing them back. Yeah, yeah. Go. So that was great continued storytelling. They didn't just ignore that and act like the going was fine after. Uh, that That's pros at work, man. Yeah, of course. Well, any other notes you have over there on this? No, what? You have any other notes? Uh, just the announcers are putting over what a great match this is. They, they did a really good job saying this is one of the best matches you're going to see, two of the best um, in the ring 
Um, a- as I said, this is my favorite match ever. I just think uh, um, they were so in sync with each other. They were so good. And it doesn't get much better than this to me. Crowd loved it. If somebody told, if somebody asked me to show them wrestling in the 90s, I'd show them anything with Bret Hart. I wasn't a huge Bret Hart guy, but I, I dug him in terms of him being a champion. And, and, uh, and then Mr. Perfect, you know, and we talk about this all the time. We, get, we always have conversations about how uh, fans give wrestlers their flowers post postmodern like you know like when they die like yes. sometimes these guys get more glorified than they like t- to me I love Owen Hart but Owen Hart wasn't this great amazing wrestler that everybody says he was until he died Mr. Perfect was that guy Mr. Perfect was probably one of the first mid carters in my in my opinion as a kid who could, who should have been champion two times over who could have been a tag team champion he had one intercontinental title reign and he had more success in WCW, of course, in the late 90s because of the whole NWO thing with Flair. But um, obviously, they didn't, uh, Vince didn't capitalize on, on, on Perfect's um, talent. He was so, 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 so good. Right. It, it just, it just, it's that kind of party with him. Let's play the, um, the, uh, the, the, the last couple minutes of this match. If, uh, here we go. Pardon me. Here we go. down to get what they have to. Both men pulling out all stops. Former World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. Guaranteed, he wants this match bad, but not any worse than Mr. Perfect does. Backbreaker, these two, two-time former Intercontinental champions putting their bodies on the line. These are career-shortening matches. What it takes out of you, what it oh. Right in the perfect space. That could be oh. it. Got his shoulder up. I feel like I'm in this match myself. But I'll tell you something. The hitman, whether he's shown it a lot or not, he is favoring that. He's going for the sharpshooter. He's going for it. Oh, perfect grabbing Bret Hart's fingers. Look at that. He's got Bret Hart by the left hand. And that hand has got to be damaged. He knows that hand is hurt. Look at Mr. Perfect. smart move. He is still relying on my psychology. He remembers what I taught him. That's why he's there, because of me. That doesn't even signify a remark. It does. Absolutely not. Hey, got perfect plex. He's got the perfect plex. Hart's trying to fight it all. He's trying to block it. There's the perfect trying to go for his favorite maneuver. The perfect plex, but he couldn't execute it. Hart is blocking the suplex. They're counting. I can't believe what I've just seen. This could be a double count out, and Bam Bam Bigelow could be the king of the ring. Both men slapped against the concrete floor. But Mr. Perfect, when he went over, smashed his kidneys into the apron. He is hurt. Mr. Perfect just made it back into the ring. Perfect back in the ring. If Brett the Hitman Hart cannot return to the ring, he will face Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals of the King of the Ring tournament. But he does. He's back in there. Perfect's leg. He can barely stand. Whoever wins, it's going to be easy picking for Bam Bam. Perfect's leg is injured. His leg is hurt. It's a turtle. One, two. Oh, it's countered. It's countered. 
Mr. Perfect cannot believe what just happened, and neither can I. 18 minutes, 58 seconds. Bret Hart is your victory. Uh, Bret Hart is victorious, I should say. And now he advances to the finals of the King of the Ring 1993 against Scott Charles Bam Bam yes. Bigelow. And that suplex where they both went out over the top rope, yes. that's still a big move today. Back then, that was hardly ever seen. Huge, just great work by these guys. You know, as the years progressed, the moves, um, the moveset of these guys, the athletes themselves became much more aggressive. Yes. These crazy, insane spots that we see now, right? Yes. Where certain certain simple moves were finishers, and now they're just set-up moves. Yep. You know? Um, so... It's it's the start of the, you know some of the guys taking liberties, some of the guys just experimenting. Because listen, if you know who you're working with, obviously, this being the, the the prime example, you're in the ring with Mr. Perfect, or you're in the ring with Bret Hart. Like you know, it's a long night. It's it's a long night. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna work your ass off. It's a long night, but it's a short night too. You're in with two safe guys, guys that know what they're doing. It's not a guy you think you can trust their moves they're going to do. You're not going to get hurt against either of these guys. That's actually a great point. And it, 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 it's simple to them. It, it feels like th three minutes to them, but it's 20 minutes to you yes, and I yes. who are watching the match. So um, so now we get to the, the, the uh, WWF championship. This is Hulk Hogan's very last appearance. In the WWE for a very, 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 very long time. And uh, he defends a title that he won at WrestleMania against Yokozuna. Who, uh, it, I mean, listen, we, all, we we just talked about WrestleMania now recently. So, this is Hogan's finale. Let's take you into the interview. World Wrestling Federation champ. This is the immortal Hulk Hogan. The great American hero. Perhaps the greatest hero in the history of the planet. And right here tonight in the heartland of America in Dayton, Ohio, Hulkster, you with Jimmy Hart in your corner will be defending the World Wrestling Federation title against 550 some odd pounds of Yokozuna. That title is gonna be on the line. I can see you are ready. And this mean gene is the eye of the holster, brother. And this is the face of the holster that's going to represent the whole country of America. And these, brother, are the heavy-duty artillery that's going to shoot Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji right out of their nest, brother. Right here in Dayton, Ohio, the heartland of America. There is no water around us. There will be no sneak attack. I've got Yokozuna right in the center of the ring, brother. And the power of the Hulkamaniacs, the power of the little holsters. This is where Hulk Hogan's power lies, brother. All the training, all the prayers, all the vitamins. Five times I'm WWF champion. I will remain that way, Mean Gene, after I test the power of Fuji's Yokozuna. Five-time World Wrestling Federation champion, no fluke. Uh, but, of course, I should remind you that Mr. Fuji's going to be in Yokozuna's corner. We all know what he's capable of. Tell him about Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart. Oh, you know, all over the world, everywhere Jimmy Hart goes, people want to know, what's it like to manage Hulk Hogan? What's he all about? This man has...
has red, white, and blue running through his veins. And he was born and raised in the USA. And Mr. Fuji and Yokozuna, when you talk about the flag, and when you talk about America, it's like a slap in the hawkster's face, baby. When you think about the Purple Mountains, Majesty, the amber waves of grain, the red, the white, and the blue, Hulkamania is right there with it, brother. That's because the prayers, the dreams of America, and all those little Hulkamaniacs are going into that frame of meteorites, brother. It's all on the line right here in Dayton, the heartland of the USA. And as I step in that ring by crook or by hook, I'll put that big man down. What you gonna do when America and the largest guns destroy you? Now, did anybody catch what Jimmy Hart said there? He's got the red, white, and blue running through his veins. He was born and raised in the USA. The opening lyrics to Hogan's theme music For in WCW, WCW a year yeah. later. So I, I didn't remember that, and now I see, oh, wow, I, was he writing that down or something? I I'm assuming Jimmy Hart wrote that song for yeah. him. Yeah. So, um, that was a pretty cool catch. Also, the interview with Yoko earlier, they're talking about he's going to bring the title back to Japan, and they have the Japanese flag. Howard Finkel announces him from the Polynesian Islands, not Japan. Right. What was up with that? He yeah, was, I don't I, think he meant to do that. No, no. Um, also, Macho and JR are talking in the opening moments of this match about why Brett didn't get a shot at Hogan and why it was Yoko. And we know for many years, Brett has talked about he felt got he got screwed out of a program with Hogan. Because of Luger. Now, th- uh, l- right after this is the Intrepid, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Which is probably going to be our uh, your 4th of July, one of our 4th of July shows. The 4th of July show that we do. Well, actually, the anniversary of Turnbuckle Throwbacks is July 3rd. Okay. So the 11th or 12th anniversary of the, of the show is going to be... Uh, you went to that Intrepid. Yes. Right, wow. I, I wanted could, to. I couldn't even get close. Like, it was that crowded. Like, I, I was there, but I was, like, not... Th- I was there, but not there. I was, you know... I remember just, and I talked about it, I just remember being, like, like exhausted, just getting to the, the West Side Highway from the train, and, and just, like, remember me taking, being a kid going, it was, like, a thousand degrees that day, and it was, but I wanted to see it, because I, you know, I knew something cool was going to happen. Yeah. You know? But. It still holds up to this day. It's a great moment, like slamming Yoko. And, right. Uh, and it just, it just goes to show how big of a dick Luga was. He still didn't get title. So, like, it just proves my theory that he just wasn't a good person, you know, behind, in, behind the scenes. I, I, I don't know. I, who, you know, who knows what goes on. It, I still think it was a mistake, even if you put a title on him for a little while. I mean, that was ridiculous, the balloons coming down. With yeah, the but, countdown. I mean, they gave him the bus. They gave him the balloons. They gave him the Intrepid. The the controversial uh, Royal Rumble uh Incident with, yeah, with, Brett. with Brett. How are you not champion? What? Why all that build up and you're not the champion? I'm sorry. It's like I, for me, and it's well, now we're sidetracking. But you know, but you, but for me, always not because I dislike him. It's because I know for a fact that he he had to be someone in it, someone of not good nature and, and good graces with, with promoters because apparently he, he complained a lot about the you know he was tired the bus stuff the appearances and. This and that, so maybe that rubbed him the wrong. But even way. in the NWA, they didn't make him champion until Flair left. Yeah, that's right. And he could he, listen. 
in the Great American Bash that one year, I think it was '88, in Baltimore. He had he had Flair beat. Yes, they with the the, the State Athletic, Athletic Commission. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but it's a lot of revisionist history with him. People say he wasn't over. You listen to the crowds when he's no, he was over hugely over, and especially in '97, man, back to WCW. Oh my God, he was the most over guy. He there. beat Hogan on my birthday. Yeah, that for was the title, an amazing moment. Yeah, so that's revisionist history, and also people saying Hogan fans were tired of him. You listen to the ovation for here, for him here. They were not tired of him. He still no. got huge cheers. So there's right. a lot of revisionist history with that. I say. Yeah, let's uh, let's play the end of this match, shall we? Yes. And where's the volume? There we go. Come on, honey. He shouldn't be up on the apron. It's a dangerous place to be. Well, these pictures are so... Oh, my God. What was that? His camera exploded. What the... Right in Hogan's face. His camera exploded in Hogan's face. Yokozuna drops a leg on Hogan. Yokozuna on the leg hook. Two. Yokozuna. We got a new champion. What the hell happened? What the hell happened? His camera exploded. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go to Howard Finkel for the official decision. The winner of this bout and new World Wrestling Federation champion, Yokozuna. Boy, the headlines in the papers in Japan are going to be full of pictures Hogan, of Yokozuna. Hogan's eyes, Hogan's, Hogan's sight has been impaired from that explosion. Oh, no. I can't it's, call what happened because I don't know. It's obvious to me that the bright lights of the World Wrestling Federation once again are too much for the Hulkster. So Yokozuna wins the championship, 13 minutes and 9 seconds. Um, it, it did a good job of keeping us entertained to an extent. I agree. And... You expected it to be a total snooze fest with Hogan because Hogan's not a big wrestler mm-hmm. in in his in his in his time. Not until he goes to Japan. Um, the finish was creative, obviously. Uh, Mickey comes to find out that that was a uh, Harvey Whippleman. Yes, th- that, the cameraman. I just found that out in the last couple of days. So yeah, pulled double duty. Yeah, so Yoko dragged Hogan, squashed him with the bonsai drop. Um, I liked that it was, you know, basically the big leg that beat Hogan. Yoko's and leg. Yeah. I like that double. When I like when Yoko did the thrust to his neck. The the, the yeah, that was great. When uh, when he hit, when when Hogan got hit with the with the fire. Um, also, good storytelling for the future. Also, nobody had slammed Yoko to this point, and Hogan failed at his attempts to slam. So I'm sure they already had the intrepid idea planned for the slam 100%. contest. So it was terrific having Hogan unable to. Slam him here. And what else? You got any other notes over there? Um, are you going to go to the Mean Gene Shawn Michaels interview? You want me to say? No, it's it's right after this, right? Yes. Well. Interesting interview, to say the least. You mean Mr. Perfect? Oh, no. Michaels is after this. Oh, yeah. Let's uh, let's play Perfect first because yeah. he, he has something Which to say. a good interview, too. Yeah, let's do that. Federation Championship belt to him. I cannot believe what I've seen. Has Yokozuna killed Hulkamania? Has Yokozuna ended Hulkamania? Here's the photographers pouring into the ring. Yokozuna obviously... The By the way, this is Hogan's last appearance in WWF until 2002. Yes. In, the, in, in Japan. 
You can better believe that this will be the front page of every major newspaper in the Orient within 24 hours. It will be on the front page of every newspaper across the world. I predict that. This is not an upset to me. It may be to the humanoids. I know Yokozuna can do it. Mr. Fuji, I got to take my hat off to you. You did it. What a night this has been. Look at him. He just threw the World Wrestling Federation Championship belt down. And it's not over yet. Oh, what a situation. Look Ace. at this guy. There's a chance. He's done what no other guy get done. Let's go now backstage to Terry Taylor. Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect, do we have a word for the people of Coliseum Video? I know you're disappointed. It was a great, great match. It's too bad there had to be a loser. Yeah, this feed, I'm sorry, I'm just cutting real quick. This feed, the the the, the clip, that the uh, video that I got on DVD, uh, that we burned it from the Coliseum home video. Which I actually prefer. I like the extra. Because you get all the like extra stuff here. You yeah, don't get that on the pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to get that. that. That's where where I got my copy from. Whoever gave this to me gave the, gave me burned it from there. How do you feel? I mean, King of the Ring and Bret Hart. What do you mean? What do you mean? How do I feel? Of course, I don't feel like a million dollars after just getting defeated. Bret Hart's a great wrestler. I've had many matches with him in the past. I injured my back and my fingers a little bit, and I'm sure Bret Hart's uh, not feeling too good either. But to tell you the truth, I just soon not talk about it. Coliseum video or not, I'm out of here, Mr. Perfect. You just keep your eyes open on Mr. Perfect. I'll show you what perfect's all about. Can't hardly blame him. Great match. He came up short. Let's throw it back to the ring right now. All right, the great city of Detroit has always embraced the World Wrestling Federation, first of all, at WrestleMania three back in 1987, and later on for the Survivor Series in 1991. I cannot believe, ladies and gentlemen, what we have just seen, but I believe it's official. It has been confirmed. There is a new World Wrestling Federation champion, and he is Yokozuna. More on the condition of Hulk Hogan as soon as any details are available. With me right now, speaking of champions, the Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. You have a title defense against the big man from Hawaii, Crush. I'm very interested, after the night has gone the way it has, whether you believe lightning could strike twice in the same building here at the Nutter Center in the heart of America. Well, I think we can agree that lightning definitely struck once. I mean, it struck Hulk Hogan, but that kind of stuff doesn't affect Shawn Michaels. I mean, I think we can agree that Hulk Hogan is not the caliber of superstar oh, that Shawn Michaels please, is. Michaels, I mean, come on. Give me the guy break. is a dinosaur, and Yokozuna gobbled him up like a big old brontosaurus burger. <laughs> a little bit, uh, you've been watching too much of that uh, Jurassic Park. Now, uh, Shawn Michaels, I'm very curious. We saw this man appear out of nowhere, out of left field, in Albany, New York, when you recaptured the Intercontinental title. This so-called bodyguard, this uh, insurance policy, what's his name? What's his name? His name's my insurance policy. That's what it is. Well, he's got to have a name. Does he talk? Okay, no, I do the talk. You want to know what his name is? Yeah, I I'll would. give you the info. His name is Diesel, as in diesel fuel, that which makes a Mack truck go. This is a Mack truck, and this man protects Shawn Michaels every inch of the way. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Get ready for more action here at the King of the Ring right now. Let's get back to ringside. Now, did me and Gene screw up there, forget where he was? The beginning of that interview, he puts over the city of Detroit for for supporting WrestleMania three Survivor Series. They've always been great fans. They're in Ohio, not Detroit. <laughs> what? Yeah, I was going to ask you that. I don't, I don't. I was going to. I have that written down. I don't. I don't know what happened. He. He might have. You know. 
confuse the. Yeah, series. Gene gets a pass because he's old. Yeah, exactly. No, I can't so, hate on Gene. Your next, your next match is the um, uh, what do you call it? the the eight man tag team champion, uh, eight man uh, tag match. It's Money Inc. and the Head Shrink is the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champion. Is the Head uh, Money Inc. Uh, Ted DiBiase and IRS uh, teaming up with the Head Shrinkers, the, the Samoan SWAT team, Fatu and and, and Samu uh, against the Smoking Guns and the Steiner Brothers. Uh, this match went six minutes and forty five seconds. You got notes? Yeah, short match, but a lot of good wrestling in this match. And um, Steiner and DiBiase start out good wrestling. Jr. mentions their schools. Billy Gunn uh, comes uh, in the course. ring. Of course. Yes, Billy Gunn comes in the ring. JR starts talking about his educational background, and Bobby starts to go at him. Do you know anybody who hasn't gone to school in their background in this? And JR responds, well, at least they finished school, Bobby D. <laughs> and they went at it for a couple of minutes. Actually, like, really funny exchange. Um, I found the finish of this match a little weird. Want to go to that? Yeah, and uh, I, I, I neglected to mention that the head shrinkers were managed by... Uh, you know, one of the uh, Samoans, Samoans, the Wild Samoans, Appa. Appa. Right? Yeah. yeah, Appa. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the end of this match because uh, it was it was short, but like Mickey said, it was really good wrestling. So, uh, all all these guys could work too. Yeah, which, it, it which, was good. Everything in the ring yeah. was good here, except the ending. The ending was a little weird. I think. Uh, let's see. Oh, what a backbreak! Yes, ooh, they're as ooh, bad ooh. as they come. Lateral press could be all. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to try to give you. A word as quickly as we hear it regarding the condition of Hulk Hogan. IRS got the tag, and he's up on top now. Comes the right hand, and it found its mark. What a great athlete that IRS is. Off of maybe taking off that money or whatever's in the briefcase. Leg drop, hooks the leg, and a near fall. I'm rather impressed with the teamwork thus far. Money Inc. and the head shrinkers. Sunset flip. But Bart... Gun is in a much too weakened state. He needs to make a tag. We've got some fast action happening right here. I didn't expect any loss. Oh. I think he needs to go back to rodeo school. Aren't those the two guys with the big brooms that walk behind all the animals? Maybe I'm wrong. I Wouldn't surprise me. IRS made the and so did Bart Gunn. A and Billy Gunn, the two ligament in the ring here. A loaded gun. IRS swept. Far side, back body drop. Great elevation there by Billy Gunn. Body with a clothesline. And another clothesline. DiBiase in trouble here in this eight-man tag team event. And DiBiase waistline and drop gun right across the top ring cable. He hung him there. And now let's see if DiBiase can take advantage. Welcome to the WWF, but I think the Smoking Guns deserve to be here. They came in with a bang. Here's that million-dollar dream. Well, it's not the last cowboy that got hung. Million-dollar dream by DiBiase. And Billy Gunn in trouble here. A fading into obscurity in this contest. I'll make him feel at home. Happy trails to you. DiBiase in the red stand. Billy Gunn almost out of it here. What just happened here? He let go of the million dollar dream on his own. What happened? I don't know. Is that? I think he gave up. There's been no sound for the bell. He didn't there? give up. DiBiase let go of him. Right. Just to rub it in. He DiBiase. probably couldn't stand the smell off those jeans and those dirty cowboy boots. Is he trying to insult them? That's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to, to 
inflict more punishment and pain. what you get for being stupid he says that's funny uh yeah so the 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 face team wins six minutes 45 seconds bit short but pretty good still fun like like mick said fast paced steiners didn't do much uh i don't even believe rick was the legal man at that point but a small package yeah that, that was weird that dibiase had it in they raise his arm once he's out and then DiBiase just releases the Million Dollar Dream, and less than like 20 seconds later, um, Billy Gunn is back awake and is able to roll up DiBiase. I don't know. I don't think that was great. Uh, the only thing, I, and well, the fact that it was too short, one and two. Um, if you wanted to stretch it, you could have had an elimination style. That would have been cool. And then three, how do you have the champions get pinned? If I'm telling a story of any kind, especially with the Steiners. I would have had the Steiners pin him, not the smoking guns. Yeah, maybe because it was their first pay-per-view and they were trying to give him a jump start. Like maybe, 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 yeah. Maybe. He's taken out of the back. ...of the brand-new World Wrestling Federation champion, Yokozuna, here with the very delighted manager, yeah, Mr. Fuji, yeah, yeah. and the president of the World Wrestling Federation, Jack Tunney. You saw this entire thing go down as Yokozuna defeated Hulk Hogan. I would just like to congratulate our new champion, Yokozuna, and I know Mr. Fuji is very pleased about this. I thank you, President Tunney. Now, Mr. <laughs> Fuji, yes, yes. things certainly going down tonight a whole lot different than they did at WrestleMania 9. Oh, like I told you, Gene Oakland, didn't I tell you that my Yokozuna beef up to 550 pounds? To tell it. And when Hulk Hogan faces him, he will go down, 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 and we will retain the belt like we did. Hulk Hogan and all the Hulkamanians. Mm. <laughs> a lot of Americans very unhappy tonight here Why? at the King of the Ring. Well, Why? I guess <laughs> predicted something they didn't think was going to happen. A piece of Americana perhaps dying tonight. <laughs> America and Hulk Hogan is finished. Now Yokozuna is new WWF champion. Very curious. It seems to me that an event oh. like this, of this magnitude, calls for celebration. Uh, do you plan on <laughs> celebrating the, the victory? Prince Akihito is recently got married. Yes, he did. A Japanese girl who attended Harvard, Harvard. University right. <laughs> in America. So now, Prince Akihito, you and your newly bride, you celebrate. All Japan celebrates. Later on, Yokozuna and myself will celebrate. Hey. A little date. Not too close with that camera. Flaming camera. That's <laughs> too there. close. We don't know flames. That was great. Very good. I thank you, Mr. <laughs> Fuji. And uh, I thank you very much, Yokozuna. From here, we go back to Japan. Is that the bottom line? No, 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 no. You know what? We will celebrate in America. <laughs> Big celebration. Later, we will notify all Americans. What do you mean? Big celebration here in America? Oh. Yeah. We'll have okay. people enjoy. Thank you. I can hardly wait for that. Right now, let's get back to the Fink. Howard Finkel. All right, Mick, what's your next match? Shawn Michaels versus Crush for the Intercontinental title. Um, Bobby was always great. I'd forgotten about this from childhood when Shawn Michaels first turned heel. 
and he would whistle the sexy boy theme. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. It was great. Um, the announcers, again, they were great tonight. They talk about Crush's weightlifting accomplishments and question if he can slam Yokozuna. They keep setting up for that intrepid thing, Hogan not slamming him, if Crush could slam him. They're doing a great job of, you know, setting that up. Um, Crush looked very agile here. Some leapfrogs, drop kicks. He never really wrestled like that that much, but in this match, he did. And, of course, Sean is great. I also liked uh, Sean came off the top rope at one point, and he crushed sidestepped him like Samoa Joe used to do, get out the way. But he actually, while sidestepping him, like kind of spiked him with his arms. I yeah, that's a, I thought that's a cool thing. That like somebody, a football move. Yeah, yeah, I thought that's a cool thing that somebody could use. Um, and then the finish with the two doinks coming out to distract Crush. I liked the super kick to the back of the head. I don't remember seeing that. Too yeah, much yeah, when that got crushed. So. Yep. Um, I thought this was a pretty good match. I liked it. It's not one of, say, Michael's best matches, but yeah. it was a good... How many Michael's matches can you say weren't good? I, My I only it. gripe was that they built up Michael's Imperfect. Yes, and they didn't go with it. So they put Mr. Perfect in. Crush should have been in the tournament, not Mr. Perfect. Or another heel. You know, you know what I'm saying? They could they could have put Mr. But they wanted to have the Mr. Perfect Brett rematch. Yes. But this was the the better story in terms of current. But either way... Uh, we, let's go to the end, shall we? Yeah. All right, let's do that. Nick Crush sidestepping. And swatted there you go. There's your the sidestep. Crush yeah, is I a like smart that. man, Heenan. Not a smart man wouldn't have been able to do that. Crush is on a roll right now. He's title bound. Oh, but over. Michael's going through about two time zones before he landed. Crush is showing me something. He's championship material right here. Irish went far side, tremendous velocity, and there's a high, high impact, backbreaker, hook the leg, and a new oh! a half a count away from a new Intercontinental Champion. Give Shawn Michaels credit. He's in there, and he's not going down without a fight. Got a kick back to the face. Crush is turning it up a notch. Shawn Michaels has made the biggest mistake of his life, maybe. He could have had, oh! I agree, Eden. He could have had him beaten, he did it got him, no! Almost a three count. And then he's let his ego take over. He keeps taking the fight to Crush. When he was outside the ring, I'd have laid back. I'd have got counted out. I'd have lost the match, but I'd have kept the title. Michaels lands on his feet. Oh, that, what impact there. Crush just ran through the Intercontinental Champion. Now, this could be a count out on the outside of the ring. Stay Crush does not want to. Oh, no. There's one. Who's coming down many, the aisle? How many are there? I only see one. Well, you always see double. Something wrong with my monitor. Either something's wrong with my monitor, or there are two doinks. Well, I want to tell you that those guys have made... That's a living nightmare for Crush yeah, right now. they made doinks life a pure... Are they smoking a cigar? What is this? Well, if Crush didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have no luck at all. Ah, smell it. Those are good cigars. Michaels back in the ring, and Michaels with that super kick in the back of the head and hooks the leg. Got him. Michaels is going to win it. Shawn Michaels beats Crush. Another case of double vision. The Doinks have spoken, and Crush is going after the Doinks. So Crush no-sells the super kick after he gets pinned and goes after the Doinks. Is is Matt Bourne still doing the clown at this point? I think so, right? I think he was till the end of 93, and then in 94 they got 
know, Steve Kern, Brooklyn Bowl, a whole bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, him, right? yeah. But I think he made it to the end of 93. And he was great. Besides the characters, wrestling, uh, Matt Bourne was great. Maniac Matt Bourne was t- uh, second generation. Too yeah, tough he Tony Bourne was personal that. problems, but yeah. uh, in the ring, that guy was good. And his interviews, everything, he was, he tremendous. was really good. Yeah, Mid South was his thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so 11 minutes, 14 seconds. Uh, second best match of the night. I agree. Right, and I think the finals is the third best match of the night. Yeah, all, all three Brett matches were great, and uh, this match. In the finals, yeah. All right. Let's take you now to me and Gene. He's with uh, Gene Mean. Gene Mean, mother to be, mother to this, this intelligent Jew businessman. <laughs> Let's take you now to uh, Gene Mean and the uh, finalist of the King of the Rings, Scott Charles Bam Bam Bigelow. Get ready for his match against Where the Hitman. Where did you meet Bam Bam? I would have liked to. I met Bam Bam in Pennsylvania, first of all. I met him twice. I met him in Queens at the ECW show. And then in Poconos, he had a ice cream parlor. Wow, I never knew that. I didn't know that either until I got there. He was like, so oh, you didn't know before you went. My to friend, party? my friend knew he didn't oh, want. Okay. He he wanted to surprise me. I got you. All right. So yeah, I didn't know, but yeah. That's cool. Yeah, he was a sweetheart of a man. One and of I, my favorite moments when he won the ECW title right here in Queens. I gotta show you my. I gotta show you my uh my 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 figure of him with the title. All right, uh, let's take you out of the man. From uh, for the, b- the bad man from Asbury Park, New Jersey. Number one, Hart has had two incredibly tough matches. First against Razor Ramon, and the last one in the semifinals against Mr. Perfect. Secondly, you got a draw, a bye in the second round, so you got to be fresh as a daisy. Fresh as a daisy, Mean Gene. I got some business to take care of. I have the opportunity to be the first king of the ring, and I'm going and getting it done. First televised king of the ring. On his way to the ring, bam, bam, big a little, let's get back inside. All right, Mick, before you get into your notes, I just want to uh, mention Bigelow wrestled five minutes and then had an hour and change rest. Yep. Bret Hart wrestled 36 minutes. Two hard matches. Yeah, so. Go ahead, go. Get into, get into your notes, my dude. Joey Morella is the referee. Gorilla Monsoon's son, and tragically, he wouldn't live much longer. He'd die in a car crash. Yes, he did. Less than a year after this, I believe. Yep. Um, as I said earlier, the Bret Perfect match was my favorite match ever, and Bret is my favorite wrestler ever. This match was BS to me. It was a great match. Bam Bam looked awesome, slamming Bret around, but Luna Vachon comes out, hits Bret with a chair. Bam Bam pins Bret after the headbutt. Looks like he's the king of the ring. But Earl Hebner comes out, or Dave Hebner. Which one was that? I guess Earl. It's Earl, yeah. Yeah. Um, And tells Morella about it, and they restart the match, which I I didn't get it. Why, if they're going to tell him about it, why wouldn't he get DQ'd then for hitting the thing? Right, right, right. So I think either you – I I totally didn't like it. And I love this match. The work between Brendan and Bam Bam is great. But I just think that was a total BS thing. It was – I I don't know. I just think – what do you think? No, I agree. 100%. Everything you said was perfect. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> 18 minutes, 11 seconds. One of the greatest underdog performances in wrestling history. Incredible. Great match. V- built very well. Bigel yes. looked like a, a monster. Brett came off like a million bucks. Both looked like main event top. Correct. Guys, correct. Can't and this is that. why I, my favorite Bam Bam, one of my favorite Bam Bam Bigel matches that he lost because I love him so much. And this was like. That I, he should have won. I wanted him to win so bad. I, I knew he wasn't going to win, but I wanted him to win so bad because I loved him. 
and it would have been cool if it was like a heel at that time, after yeah. after Harley Race and yes. Kaku and Macho King and the 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 heel king. And what a queen he would have had. Ah, <laughs> you know what I do have, and I should break it out. We should watch it. I got the best of the King of the Ring on um on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. The the entire all like the best matches. Yes. So I, I have that on Blu-ray. Oh, that's it's cool, hosted man. by King Booker. King Booker. So all right, let's take you now to, to to the to the to the final couple minutes of this match, that went almost twenty minutes. Brett wrestled almost an hour at this point, uh, the entire night. Man from Asbury Park, New Jersey, may be going out. If he would go out, I'll jump straight up in the air and hit my head on the top of the Nutter Center, and I'll shake Brett the Hitman Hart's hand. But I don't think it's going to happen. There's Bam Bam, still there. He'll probably do that anyway, Savage. Stanford out, Bret Hart, drop kick. The big man almost over the top rope. And the hitman dumps a 400-pounder over the top to the floor. He's taking it to him. He's still got fight left in him. The hitman is on. Look at this move. Oh, my. He's nuts. He's nuts. He put hitman. it all on the line right there. Crossbody on the top. Missed and fire here on the outside. Where's he getting the energy? It's pride. P-R-I-D-E. And I've got R-E-S-P-E-C-T for the hitman. All right, well, she beat him. He doesn't want to win this by count out. That's the kind of man he is. Bret you Hart. win, you win. It doesn't matter. Up on the second row. Caught in the clothesline. High impact. Cover him. Look oh, at this. He got it. He got it. No, he doesn't. Oh, he didn't two, get him. Two. What if he would have got him? That would have been incredible, Bobby Heenan. Would you have shaken Brother Hitman Hart's hand after all he's been through? Five. Say yes. Well, I wouldn't shake anybody's hand. There's side rush next week. Cover him. Side rushing leg sweep. He's not done yet. The hitman up on the second rope. Gonna try to put him away here. The hitman. With a bulldog. He got the bulldog. Cover him. The hitman. He won't get the sharpshooter on him, though. Bam Bam's legs are too big. He's gonna go right there with a sharpshooter. That's his maneuver. Can he get it on Bigelow, whose legs are huge, and Bigelow powered out? Did not work. Remember WrestleMania 9, he almost got on Yokozuna. In fact, he did get it on Yokozuna. Halfway. Hart doesn't have the power left, I don't think, to execute the sharpshooter. He's fighting Bigelow. That's it. That's it. It's over. And I'm not over. It's not over. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I quit. I've never seen a fight like this in my life. This is amazing. Bigelow has amazing. Give Bigelow credit, too. What do you think about the King of the Ring tournament? Oh, Hartani coming in. What a pay-per-view. The headman up on Bigelow's shoulders. Can Where's he, he going? He got him in a victory roll. He's got the fleet hook. And the window for the Bret Hart is the King of the Ring. Bret Hart is the King of the Ring. I can't believe this. Oh, 
surfing, Nina, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Come on, Bobby, admit it. Bobby. Uh, you've never seen nothing like that. I've never life. seen a fight like that. I've never seen a man put up that kind of a fight. That's it, Bret Hart moment. There he is. The he old man great. of the WWF. Respect. He's done it all. Tag team champion. Coach Intercontinental champion. WWF champion. And now, the king of the ring. The first king of the ring in the WWF. That cape fits him well. Fits him like a glove. Give it to him. He's got the cape behind the scepter in his hand. Call him. And now the crown. What a moment for Bret Hart. Put that crown on him, Gene Okerlund. Amazing. Do it, me, Gene. He deserves it. What a situation. And there's a crown. I cannot believe this moment right here. The king of the ring. I will not give him a chance at all. Not at all. That's something. You deserve it, but the Hitman Hart. I proclaim ye, Brett the Hitman Hart, the king of the ring. Oh, yeah. Wow. What action. Wait a minute, Jerry Lawler. What in God's name this. are you doing here, King Lawler? I'll tell you what I'm doing here. I'm here to confront the pretender to my throne. I'm here to tell this imposter and all of the rest of you idiots that there is only one king in the World Wrestling Federation, and I am that king. Do you understand that? Out of the goodness of my royal heart, I might allow you to be a prince. Yeah, that's right. If you, right now in front of all of these people and in front of all of these idiots, get down on your hands and knees, bow to the real king, and kiss my feet. Do you understand that? Wow. I tell you, you got a, lure, a lot of nerve for a guy to come out here, and you didn't even have the guts or the integrity to even get in the tournament for the oh, king of the ring. Where were you when this thing started? I'll tell you what I think. The only kind of king you are is the Burger King. Oh, no. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Burger yeah. King. Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. Burger King. Stop it, Savage. Burger King. What a cheap shot. A sucker punch from behind with that scepter. He hit him right with a scepter in the back of the head. Jerry the King Lawler is ruining Bret Hart's moment. He's, he's destroying the crowd. What a dastardly attack. What a heinous attack. This is sickening. This is uncalled for. chance before, but now 
I'm gonna let you, right in front of everybody here, I'm gonna let you kiss the feet of the only king in the World Wrestling Federation. Wow, that, I'm Randy Savage, I'm, this is terrible, this is terrible. I kicked him in the face. Lawler has kicked, um, oh no. Lawler has kicked Bret Hart in the face and he's helpless, he's helpless. Has he taken a beating? Oh, God. Ladies and gentlemen, he's kicking him from Dayton, Ohio. Thanks to Ben Willis. This is terrible. This is terrible. Good, good night, everybody. Nice. This is a great ending. It sets up Lawler as a monster heel. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, very quickly, they've turned him almost into a clown, like a jokester. Like, Lola could be a vicious heel, his mental stuff, his other stuff, and they just turned him, like, I never took him seriously, like, after whatsoever. Like, oh, this guy's a clown. He's not a... Well, they, they should have kept him as the vicious, like he did here. I, I didn't really like the direction they went with him at all during his entire WWC. He was very loved for his announcing and this and that, but he was legit. Remember before we ever got to see him in the magazine, he was championship, beat all the top guys, and I think they really could have put him as a top, top guy here, and they didn't go that Made way. himself USWA champion 27 times. Yes, but hey, every promotion. It was his promotion, yeah. This is promotion. Um, the thing with WWF historically is they, they didn't, at times, use a wrestler's lineage as a, yeah. as a story. Yep. Case in point. Holly Race. Oh, yeah. Holly Race was the king, right? Yep. But Holly Race is one of the greatest world heavyweight champions of all time. Yep. Dusty Rhodes, my hero. Terry Funk. Terry Funk, both world champions. Yep. They were sideshow acts. Yes. In WWF, right? Um, this is a norm. So now as we get older, we're like, well, these guys were this and that. A 19-year-old Phil didn't give a shit about Memphis at that point. I I acknowledged it. Mm-hmm. Sheep herders. Same here. Oh, yeah, vicious tag team. One of the most the vicious team. tag yes. teams in the world. They went that they went from there to licking faces. Yep. So, I mean, this is this is historically Vince McMahon's MO. Doesn't bring in the guys who are top stars and make them from other places and makes them he doesn't make them top Makes stars. them his own characters. Yeah. Basically. Now, a lot of people consider this, and, and rightly so if you look at the numbers, a downtime for WWF. But I think it's more to do, again, I, I personally think it's just the, that the Yoko thing, he had many better options. Razor was still a heel, but very popular. Could have kept Lex as a heel, Narcissus, Bam Bam. I think they could have had like more than a year's worth of stuff with Brett, obviously the top baby face, um, then the stuff with Owen, Diesel. I I I just Yoko bored me. What can I say? I think there were a lot of better options. I understand the evil fallen gimmick he was going for, but I I didn't find this match as exciting. I thought he was boring, very slow, and I think a lot of people felt that the old thing, a fat guy with a diaper on. <laughs> I uh, definitely did not, and I can tell you why. I'm as partial to anybody that size. Mm-hmm. Him, Vader, Bam Bam. Anybody that size who can move like that. Well, Bam Bam, that's who I would have gone with. Right, of course. And Vader was champ in the In WCW, WCW, right. 
I thought Yoko was inferior to Rin. Um, I mean, I I I don't know. I disagree. I liked. Right, yeah, I, 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 I liked. I liked him. I thought he was good. Um, they could have written him other ways, like you know, to just to play devil's advocate to to your to your take on it. Uh, but he wasn't a champion very long, so it made for a good story. I don't know if other guys were not capable because they're very well capable. All, all the guys you mentioned are, to me, a world champion worthy at that time. Yes. I don't know if they were in the good graces of the people promoting this yeah, shit. That we don't know. That we don't know. Like Luger. To me, Luger's the world champion over Bret Hart right then yep. at, this, at this time. I actually I wanted to see them as many people did. Luger versus Brett is the finals. Luger Brett, Luger Yoko for the title. Like it, 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 they gave Luger the, they gave Luger the, the, the whole package. They even gave him a spot in the when he had the WBF. Yes, the before it changed. Yeah, they, he was gonna be one of their guys. Now you know we actually got saved from Vince at this point too, not too long ago because. Ludwig Borger had a career-ending injury because he would have Tony been shut Hummel. down our throats big time. Yeah. He was already big, and basically WWF fans got saved from that because he would have. Who knows if he would have made him champ? I, I, you know, for me anyway, uh, the longer this goes in terms of history, the more you look back on it and go, "Wow, what about this guy? What about that guy?" You could rewrite. Oh yeah, because you know we do fantasy warfare here too. Yes, you can rewrite any of that, and it would be a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, Lawler again, like, but and Lawler was like, oh, he's a, he's this, he's that, yeah. But if it wasn't for this, his transition to a broadcaster probably would not even exist. Yeah, you're right. For them to give that much faith in him, get rid of Heenan, let Savage go. Mm-hmm. They all went. They all jumped ship a year later. Yep, me and Gene. Gene, so the the it's about to change. The mood changes. Hogan goes to Japan, uh, fights Muda in that great match the same yes, year, the same month I think, and then uh, does a, then a year later shows up in um uh, in 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 in, in, uh, in Orlando. Yep, with the Corvette and the parade. June of ninety four at the studios there. That was a cool. Moment. Yeah, they signed him, and we were all like, "Holy shit! I can't believe it! Can't believe it!" And the world changed after that in terms of wrestling, right? Yeah, it definitely did. In terms of uh, so, any any more notes on there? You got no, any more no, notes? Because you just took a lot I, of notes I there, buddy. This, I love this pay per view again. It was my favorite pay per view of all time, so I'm still up there with with. I like a lot of the early Rumbles and WrestleManias, and this. Maybe because I'm such a big Brett fan, seeing him wrestle three times in one night and three different great matches, and the guys I love from back then, Razor, Perfect, Bam Bam, it's just a great show. All right, so let's grade it. Let's grade it. So it's the best pay-per-view so far, right? Bret Hart puts on the most single greatest performance from one guy in one night to that point. I agree. Right? Um... Wrestles three matches, all good matches, great matches. The IC title, the eight-man tag. Even the world championship was, you know, it's not going to get a lot of stars by people today, but it did what it was supposed to do. It was a good match. It wasn't too long. It was entertaining. Can't complain so about it. So how old are you in 93? 
14 years old. Okay, so I was I was four years. So I'm 18, 19. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 19. So 14 year old Mickey just just finishes the pay per view. What is what what does 14 year old Mickey think of it when you sort of sorting out? And what does 44 year old Mickey? 14 year old Mickey thought it was one of the best things he ever saw, and and 44 year old Mickey still agrees. Looking back on it, I could say the same thing. If I was gonna give it a letter grade. I'd say A minus B plus. If I was m- numbering it, eight and a half, nine. Sounds good to me. Right? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and not just the in ring stuff, the announcing. I mean, JR, Bobby Heenan, and Mach announcing together. How can you beat that? It's uh, Mean Gene doing the back uh, interviews backstage. I mean, just classic stuff. So many of them are gone now, you know. You know, it's uh, nostalgic. Yeah, and it sets up to be a good summer in the WWF action. Absolutely, yeah. So. Phil going to the Intrepid. Yeah, Phil goes, well, to be fair, Phil was almost at the, tra- <laughs> the Intrepid. Almost, yes. It's like, have you ever taken the train? Have you ever been to Times Square New Year's Eve? Yes, but I long story, but yes. Okay, so a year later... Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm a liar. That winter, that that ja- that New Year's Eve, I made it. I made an attempt to go to Times Square. My brother and I, who was visiting from Long Island, um, we couldn't even get outside the station. People in the stowaways, we couldn't even get. We got a train; it was all blocked. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt getting to the Intrepid. Couldn't do it. Um, yeah, it's a good summer. Years later, when I met Lex Luger. And I graduated high school that year, too. That is a good summer. Yeah. They had, remember the I want you to Lex Express thing? Yeah, of course. So I got him to sign that, and I told him I wanted to go to the Intrepid at that point, but I couldn't make it. So I finally get to meet him with the I want you there thing. Yeah. Cool experience. And about four years later, before SummerSlam 98, they had a show on the Intrepid with... um, some of the superstars doing a tug of war. Mark Henry and a few other people were on one side. Vader and a few other people were on the other side. Um, Mark Nero, Dustin Rhodes, this and that. And yeah. Got to meet, and that was fun. It wasn't nearly as crowded. Oh, as of course not. Yeah, not even close, but it was a fun experience. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think when you look at the Intrepid footage now, it still holds up just the excitement. Lex coming off the helicopter. Yeah. That, how cool was that, right? It was, it was, it set up. It set him up to be the world heavyweight champion. Like, how, do, how you, do you not go? With how do you that? not go along yeah, with it? He had to be a dick. I'm sorry. He had to be an asshole. I'm <laughs> I, sorry. We'll we'll never know that person. No, we'll, we'll never know because he'll never tell you. No, he'll never tell Nobody you. Vince won't tell him. you. Yeah, but sometimes, I mean, even if a person's an asshole, you got him there. I mean, you got to go with them, right? I do mean, you though? They didn't. I mean, I mean, te- theoretically, yeah, of course you, you I should. I mean, he went around the country, had packed lines. Mick, you're preaching to the choir, bro. Saying. I've been saying this on a podcast yeah. for the past decade mm-hmm. that Luger should have and, and this is, again, this is, I'm biased because I don't like, I never liked Luger. Yeah. Never liked Luger. I liked his music in, w, in NWA, but. That was awesome right? music, yes. Um, he was a terrible horseman. He had the look, but that's Great besides the point. Great U.S. champ. Great U.S. champion. Probably the best U.S. champion yeah. ever. And that 97 run was awesome. He carried the company as a babyface. Yeah. Yeah. But again, not my cup of tea. However, you got to give him his flowers, man. 
you got to give turns his life around. You, you yeah. whatever circumstance you say, he tries to be a positive force today. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> we can all judge everybody. Yeah, no, it's I'm not even judging. I just didn't, as a kid, I didn't like his character. I didn't know he was an asshole. I didn't know he was an asshole until I was a grown man. Yeah, that's true. You didn't know that. He right? Was yeah, I'm not. In USA no one's judging. Like, listen, I remember like when we were kids, we would find out like, oh, so and so's brothers with like we all the ultra warriors from Queens. No, he's from Indiana. Yes. <laughs> you know all these ur- urban myths. You know, like you know, my my mom's like Ricky Steamo is not his name. Real name isn't Blood. Yes, it is. His mom's Richard Blood. <laughs> um, but you know, it's for me, it's it, you know me, and you know you know me well now. It's all about the story. Yep. You got to tell me a good story. You have to, or you lose me. And a DQ win with or count out win with balloons is no way. Right. It's uh, people complain about Cody Roman now. Imagine they did this. This finish was yeah. much worse than Cody. So Roman. I mean, you you the the it's a it's it's a facade basically when you look at it. They built him for nothing. Yeah. For nothing. Exactly. Anyway. I, they never did a Brett Lex feud. I think it would have been awesome. Yeah. Because Brett would carry him. Yeah. They, Brett they would carry him. And Lex was enough of an imposing. Yeah, imposing Brett would carry enough. him. Oh, that would have been amazing. Yeah. I think so. Um, Any final thoughts on, on no, pay-per-view? Man, just what else can you say? Great show. Yeah. Top of the line. And great to look back. A lot of nostalgia. A lot of good memories watching. That's why we do Turnbuckle Throwbacks, Mick. And thanks for having me. Oh, man. thank you for coming, man. You came all this way to fucking do a, a wrestling podcast from 30 years ago. <laughs> it was let's, fun. Let's pull the train into the station, shall we? Yes. All right, you guys all know the social media handles. Uh, Mick, you have anything? You're, you're on. You're on social media, right? Yeah, all of them. Yeah, just look up Mickey Dune. He's on my Facebook page. He's in the group pages as well. Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. Yeah, TurnbuckleThrowbacks.com, uh, ProWrestlingTees.com. So there's Turnbuckle Throwbacks. We have five shirts over there. T- uh, throwbacks one at gmail.com. We're on all the social media handles. Uh, Shining Wizards Network. That's the link. Anchor FM is now Spotify. We're on every podcast platform. Mickey, I love you, bro. Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming. Oh, I appreciate thanks, it. My man. It's, it's we'll see you guys next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Enjoy your week. Don't be a jerk off. Don't be a putz. Be good to people. And be nice. Be nice, all right? Say good night, Gracie. Good night, Gracie.